Welcome to the Two Ghouls Podcast. I'm Katie, and this is my lovely co-host and cousin, Sam. Really? What? Like, I don't believe that shit. Oh. They photoshopped their grave, oh. and they did it for months. Oh, hell no, I'm not looking at that. Oh, hell no, I'm not looking at that. Wow. Until they got- King Eddie, Michelangelo. I literally have a picture on my computer screen right now. <laughs> Fucking real, dude. <laughs> I have to go. Wow, wow. Welcome to the two. Whoops. <laughs> about to play that for you guys again. Hello. Welcome. Hey guys. Hey. Good evening. Wednesday night. Good evening. Look at vampire. <laughs> Welcome, welcome. Tonight is a up, very exciting night. It's true crime night. It's the end of the month. And you know what that means? Do, do, do. We need like a theme song for this type of true crime. Oh, do like a We should do like a separate intro for true crime. We should. I'm I'm gonna get into that then. If you say it, I feel bad saying that though because Katie's the editor, so it's like you want to spend four hours doing that. I love this stuff. I love this stuff. I just realized my mic has not been plugged in, so I apologize for my shitty sound. That's but, um, right. Yeah. I wanted yeah. to address the comment that we got while we were in the waiting room. Um, yeah, we had justice. In, yeah, justice in real crime. Hello, new subscriber. Just want to tell you both that your work is amazing. Thank you for all that you do. That was such a sweet comment. Thank you. And we're so happy we that you're here that. watching. Yeah. And perfect time to subscribe, considering your username and true crime night. There you go. Yeah, perfect. Let's see, make sure my raise picked up. Okay, we should be good. Do I oh sound wow, okay? what a difference in the audio. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering. Um, yeah, so thank you to the Lesson Foundry for sponsoring tonight's episode. We always yes. huge support. Thank you, Love Lesson it. Foundry. Yeah. Do you want to read through the ad read first? Or do you want yeah, to- let's go ahead. Uh, you want to do the ad read and I'll, I'll pull up uh, the website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm taking a second to. Oh, go ahead. What? I was just saying, I know that sometimes your internet is funky, it's shitty. We're going to take a second to talk about today's sponsor, Lesson Foundry. The Lesson Foundry is a 100% remote music lesson site. The Lesson Foundry has passionate and incredibly skilled teachers. Um, that provide classes for singing, flute, guitar, saxophone, and viola, just to name a few. With all lessons being totally remote, this resource gives you the opportunity to maximize the time you have with your teachers during each lesson. The Lesson Foundry site is extremely easy to use. Let me share my screen so you guys can see what I'm talking about. Sorry. (laughs) Um, All right, let me make sure this is up. Yeah, I really want you guys to get a good look because it is very user-friendly. I appreciate that. Super, super duper easy. Super easy to use, very professionally laid out in a way that everyone can understand. You can see details about each and every teacher, including how many years of experience they have, degrees that they might have in the field, and achievements that they have. Each and every teacher available for lessons on the site is extremely passionate about helping you reach your goals, whatever they may be. All lessons can be catered to you and for you to learn exactly what you want and how you want to when you want to. Most half-hour sessions cost between $35 to $40 a week, and signups are for one month. 
uh, excuse me, and signups are for one month. However, you can cancel at any time. This is a perfect gift for yourself or for the music lover in your life. The Lesson Foundry has been kind enough to provide our ghoul friends, our listeners, with an exclusive promo code for $25 off of your purchase of any lessons by using code Two number two G H O U L S two ghouls. Visit the Lesson Foundry by clicking the link in the description of this video for all your music and instrument class needs. Call 410-404-8226 to speak with a representative about the Lesson Foundry. And if you guys yes. missed that number, it's all down in the description and it's it's on their website. So if you click on the link in our description, you should be good. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Everybody, go ahead and um, head to the Lesson Foundry, first of all, but also drop your uh, zodiac signs in yes. the comments below if you want your horoscope read before we get into this craziness. <laughs> yes. We're going to like calm ourselves because this yes. episode is going to be dark, deeply triggering, which I guess I should have read the trigger warnings for you guys. I yeah, it's <laughs> It's uh, a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's rough. Tonight's going to be rough, but it's very it, in depth. It's, it's going to be good. Best, ridiculous. best research you can find out there probably on the Jody S. Artist. Jody oh, artist right thanks. Now. In my opinion, Sam goes very deep and very thorough. And I, I do. And unbiased. We love that. I try. Well, mm, mm. this case, I already know a lot about it. So I have my own opinions, but I do try to go into reading the, the bulk of what happened from an unbiased perspective. Mm. It's kind of hard with this one, though, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, yeah I Which agree. Y'all get it. <laughs> I, I've, this was one of the first that I ever listened to, but it's been years since I've listened to it. And I do remember being like, this woman is crazy. So I guess oh for God. this episode, just anytime you watch our true crime videos, just expect that I don't know anything and Sam knows everything. So <laughs> I'm coming into this pretty much blind. I have no idea what the Jodius, Jody Arias case. I keep wanting to say Jodius Arias. Jodius Arias. <laughs> Jody like Arias case. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anything about this. And Sam spent like what? Four days researching nonstop. Yeah, about I, I watched ten hours worth of interrogation stuff just yesterday. That was one day. Jeez, so, jeez, yeah. jeez, jeez. All right, um, guys. Well, we're gonna go do some horoscopes. Yeah. Do you want me to share my screen? Hi, mom. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, share your screen. All right. Let's do it. All right. Let's see. Let's do Katie Ooh. first. Katie is a cancer. Let's see. Joey says hello, ghoul friends. You should jump in the chat, Joseph. Joey. <laughs> uh, you're usually a hard worker, Cancer. Whether the work involves a job, personal project, or simply chores around the house. Today, however, you're going through a fit of laziness. Chances are you don't <gasps> want to do a thing except lie around and read or watch TV. It's okay. We all need time to let our hair down and relax. Don't suffer undue guilt because you don't feel like working. I did that today. What the hell? <laughs> I literally didn't do anything all day. <laughs> well, I mean, it's true crime. That so I'm the one better. who does like all of the, I do all of the research and stuff to it's kind true. of give this Katie a week. break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, this is, is my week. To and then I just stress Sam out for the week so that I can just rest. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. This is no, but like. I did. I laid back and chilled today. So that's pretty good. Accurate. 
Yeah. But that's like rare for you. You're like always going, going, going. <laughs> yeah, I feel like <laughs> until I have to take a break. So right until, until your body is just like, oh my god, please stop. <laughs> I have to. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Here's mine. A lack of contact between you and a romantic partner could have you feeling rather depressed today. You might be tempted to jump into the erroneous conclusion that your beloved no longer cares about you and that's why your phone isn't ringing. Don't fall into this trap. If you try to be objective, you'll realize that this isn't true. Chances are that your friend was held up in some way and will call you as soon as there's an opportunity. Danny's Danny's not calling me. That's funny. I mean, there kind of has been a lack of contact because I've been really busy with this Jody stuff, and but not in a way that's like, oh, it makes me depressed. Alarming. He's really busy. right. He's been helping me out a lot, especially today. I woke up and my back was fucking killing me. I feel like I pulled a muscle or something in my back, yeah. and so I've I've kind of been down and out today. But I had a bunch of work to do for this case, and I was like. I just really need your help. So he's pretty much been taking care of everything. He even cooked me lunch today. Which oh my god, we cook, stand so. Danny. We love Danny. Thank you, Danny. We do. A round of applause for Danny. Yeah, he's awesome. we have Daniel. great, great, great men in our lives. I just gotta we say, do. if they didn't do what they did, we wouldn't be able to do this. Like, oh, period. absolutely not. This this podcast would not exist. No, the only so, reason that there's not the kids running around right now is because he took them elsewhere. Like, I literally exactly. would not be able to do this without Danny. Exactly. Same. Same with Sunny Bunny. I know. Sunny Bunny. Sunny let's bunny. See. Oh, we let's do Becca's Sagittarius. Oh. We have one yes. Sag. One okay. Sag. Yeah, we had somebody. We had a friend that asked us, "What the hell?" Oh, all right. Something just fell. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but every time I put makeup on, my nose runs. It never feels. Yes, I'm sorry. And I'm you wipe gross. all the foundation off of your nose so it turns red. <laughs> yes. And then you just have a cake <laughs> face with a red nose. I know. I'm sorry. Like. Too. That's a reason why I don't, I don't even wear my uh, foundation anymore because I, I, I literally have the same issue. Yeah. I have so much redness on my face. I kind of have to. But anyways. I know. I have a lot of I red. Let's see. <laughs> All right, Becca, this is for you. She normally can't watch live. She also is a mom. So um, this is for when she does the playback. Something could happen during the day that unconsciously reminds you of something unpleasant that happened to you in the past. You might not even remember today's event, but memories of the occurrence long ago could plague you throughout the day and put you in a very black mood. Try to analyze why this memory affects you so much. Then when you know, let it go. You might feel as if a heavy weight has been lifted off your shoulders. Hmm. Hmm. There you go, Becca, and all of our Sagittarius listeners. Um, oh. I think we're going to move on for now. But if you guys want your sa- uh, your Sagittarius, your horoscopes <laughs> read in the future, drop them in the chat. Yeah. We'll read them for you at the beginning of every show. Yep. Yeah, every show we do zo- shows, yeah. Zodiac. We do horoscopes. What is wrong with us? We can't talk. <laughs> Lonesome okay. Dove. New subscriber. Watch your podcast on Scumbag Chris Watts. Great job. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, he definitely is a That scumbag. one's all um, for Sam. Sam did that entire <laughs> All of the true crime ones, I owe it to Stan. She's wonderful. I put myself through this misery. (laughs) Or you. (laughs) Or you guys for the ghoul friends. Yes, of course. All right. Here we go. Here we go. True crime is starting. So I'm going to start this case with a lot of background 
that literally so much of this case and what a lot of people, even if you've heard this case before, mm-hmm. I can guarantee you that I'm going to tell you something about this case that you have never heard before because I found out stuff about this case that I didn't even hear and I followed it when it was happening. So this whole thing takes place in Mesa, Arizona. And in Mesa, there's this very large Mormon population. It's a suburb outside of Phoenix. And we have two main people that are involved in this case, Jody Arias, obviously, and Travis Alexander. Now, Mesa being a really large Mormon area is what originally attracted Travis to live in Mesa. So that's why he went there. Mm -hmm. So Travis Alexander, he was born July 28th, which is funny because that's River's birthday. So he was born July 28th, 1977 in Riverside, California to Gary David Alexander and Pamela Elizabeth Morgan Alexander. Travis had seven siblings. His parents were both drug addicts. And um, babies go figure. Yeah. And at age 11, Travis and his siblings moved in with his paternal grandparents because his parents literally couldn't take care of them because they were drug addicts. I don't know what that Mm. blinking is. I think there's like a car outside or something. Thanks, mom. (laughs) Hi, Aunt Christy. Love you, too. (laughs) So, um. So he, him and his siblings moved in with his paternal grandparents, at, and this was after his father died, and his, his grandmother introduced him to the Church of Latter-day Saints, which is Mormonism. And he converted to Mormonism and he became a missionary. As he got older, he um, got really involved with public speaking, with missionary work, with trying to convert people to Mormonism. And this got involved, got him involved with a company that was called Prepaid Legal or PPL. And that company now is known as Legal Shield. But it's also kind of like a multi-level marketing thing. I don't know if it is now, uh, but at that point, it was it was a multi-level marketing company. Okay. And this became his entire career. And it's basically just like theft monitoring, restoration, theft, oh, okay. uh, identity theft um, yeah, yeah. solutions, stuff like that. Okay. So he mo- started moving up in that company pretty quickly. And he became a decently sized figure in the company. He was making a good living. This was a good career for him. He did really well because he talked to people so well. And typical MLM, this this business and it was the more you sell or recruit people the more money that you make the higher up that you get in the company and travis used his motivational speaking skills and experience from his religious background and mormonism to really launch his career in this company and so he eventually in september of 2006 attended a prepaid legal conference in Las Vegas. And that's where he meets Jody Arias. And Jody had been bouncing between a bunch of jobs. She was having a hard time really keeping a job. She did a lot of waitressing and she was looking to try and find 
a stable, steady income and get her life stable and try to better herself. So she went to this prepaid legal conference with that in mind. When Travis saw Jody from across the room at this conference, he was stunned by how beautiful she was. Like she's she is very woman. conventionally gorgeous. I mean, like natural beauty, although at this point she was like platinum blonde hair, but overall she is a really beautiful she's gorgeous. Woman. Do you have a picture of her? I could post um it. I didn't. I didn't share one to my Google Doc, but I will pull one up on Google. It's easy yeah. enough. She's a pretty lady. Pretty ladies can get into some bad stuff, though. <laughs> yeah. Let's upper see. Hand here. Let's just go. Here we go. Super we go. beautiful. Beautiful. She looked lady. a lot different when it comes to like court proceedings and stuff, but this is what she would have looked like when her and Travis met. Yep. And let's see. This is Travis. There he is. All right. That's our guy. Whoopsie. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I cut it off. All right. So he saw her from across the room and he was like, damn, she's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And so he walks up to her. He's this motivational speaker. He's totally used to talking to people. He's not shy when it comes to talking to people. So he approaches her and introduced himself. And apparently they had an instant connection between them so jody she was born on july 9th of 1980 in salinas california to william and sandra arias I believe she had two siblings a brother and a sister and, and she's a cancer yeah I hate that. <laughs> we hate that for her <laughs> <laughs> and she had a really overall normal childhood especially compared to travis's um, her parents were in the restaurant business, and Jody worked as a waitress at their restaurant, I guess, growing up okay. and, and even into her adulthood. And she had a really lively dating life growing up. She had several relationships, one of which was like almost four years with a guy who had a, a son. So she basically had a stepson. So Travis and Jody, once they meet at this conference, um, they spent about a week getting to know each other during the time that they're there in Vegas during this conference time. And the spark between them is intensifying. Um, and they spent basically the entire week together. They were there for that week for the conference, but they basically ended up spending it all together. And at the end of the conference, Travis decides that he still wants to talk to Jody. He wants to see her again, even though they live in totally different states because she was living in California and he was living in Arizona. Mm. So they ended up continual, continual, uh, continuing to talk and basically long distance dating even though it was unofficial but mm -hmm. they would take road trips and meet halfway somewhere and they that's how they would date they would go on there's pictures of them somewhere where there's like a bunch of hot air balloons they'd go hiking they'd go so camping they just meet in the middle they'd be like they would just kind of deal with yeah they just they uh, pick a spot yeah. that was kind of in the middle and they yeah. both go there and spend a bunch of time together pretty normal and there's there's pictures from like all, all of their little visits that they had because Jody was into photography. She was trying to make that a profession as well. So there's lots of photos. Um, Travis presented himself as a devout Mormon man. And 
commonly told people that he was a 30-year-old virgin and that he planned on getting married in the Mormon religion. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't see who that Facebook user is. Hi. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome. Let's see. So he wanted, he planned on getting married in the Mormon religion, which means to a a Mormon woman. That was his plan. Mm -hmm. But secretly, all of this time of getting to know Jody and meeting up halfway and going on these trips, they're having sex, which is this huge no-no. That totally goes against the religion. In the Mormon church. Mm -hmm. Now, Travis he was not just Mormon. He was a temple goer, which is like a, a whole big thing that you have to go through in Mormonism to be able to even get Trav, access to Trav. the temple. You dirty and dog. I forget mm. what it's called, but it was like some sort of like priesthood thing. He could mm. baptize people. So these him having sex before marriage and being at these ranks in the church could get him excommunicated Mm. from mormonism it was a big deal it's not just you're a churchgoer and you you're mormon and you're kind of doing these things on the low this guy was heavily involved in the church he could put blessings on people he could baptize people this was a big no-no so at this point travis wasn't telling anybody that jody was his girlfriend and Jody wasn't a Mormon and she also wasn't a virgin before she got with Travis and, and Travis's eyes, Jody not being Mormon and not being a virgin made her unmarriable, like not marriage material, but he's still doing all this stuff with her. Exactly. And so Travis is, I think most people who aren't Mormon, they've kind of heard this Mormon like stereotype was that he would convince Jody to have sex in more unconventional ways to try and skirt around his religious values, like anal yeah. sex and oral sex and He's say, like, well, it's, it's not, not technically real. sex. Right. <laughs> Got it. So. And Jody was trying to make herself more marryable in Travis's eyes because at this point she was already seeing in her mind. She was planning on marrying Travis. She was head over heels in love with him. That's who she wanted to be with. So she is wanting to make herself more marriage material. And she decided to convert to Mormonism. And this was in wow. within two months of meeting Travis, oh, I girl. believe. Wow. She was ready. Which come to find out, like, apparently he was having um, missionaries go to her house, like, once a week to talk to her to help get her to convert. I don't know. Yeah. So not only does she convert to Mormonism, he's the one who baptized her into the religion. Wow. And she just. That is a huge deal. Yeah. And she just deep dives into Mormonism, at least on a surface level, to look good to him and his friends and the people around him. Because all of his friends and the people that he lives with, they're all Mormon. His community is all Mormon. She was ready. Right. So through prepaid legal, Travis had won a trip or something. You know how it is with like MLNs where it's like win a trip. He won a trip to Cancun. 
Wow. So Travis tells Jody that he's going to take her with him to Cancun, right? Okay. But leading up to the trip, they're arguing a lot. Jody wanted commitment and promise from Travis because to her, he was everything that she wanted and she was head over heels, but he wouldn't ever claim her, you know, like he wouldn't, oh. he wouldn't be open about being with her to the people in his life. He never told anybody that she was his girlfriend. He didn't think that she was marriage material, even after conversion. And he was basically just using her for sex. Wow. So they were arguing a lot. Yeah. So Travis, at this point, he decides that the whole thing isn't going to work, which she says that she broke up with him. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Travis decides at this point, it's not going to work. Jody's too attached. She's obsessed and in love. And he's just not on the same level with the way that he is feeling about her. He breaks mm. up with her and decides not to take her with him to Cancun, but also decides that he's going to take another woman. Oh, my God. So shortly after their breakup, Jody moves just a few miles away from Travis to Mesa. So this is literally, a, I think it's a, a few weeks maybe two three weeks she decides oh i'm gonna move from california and i'm gonna move five minutes away from my ex-boyfriend who i just what? broke up with are you mm-hmm. kidding me yeah damn she okay. says that the, she says that the move was already in the talks but who knows who fucking knows even still that's still weird you, well, you would think about like canceling your move yeah <clears throat> So the entire relationship, they were long distance. She was living in California and he was living in Arizona. And then right after the breakup, she decides to move to Mesa. Um, Travis's friend recalls Travis dreading her moving closer. And he was like, I just can't get away from her. Oh, I don't want her to be here. I don't want her being that close. It's just not good. Blah, blah, blah. So Jody says that she moves to Mesa to be closer to the Mormon faith to start her life over but travis is convinced that she moved there just to be closer to him has nothing to do with her being closer to that church or whatever mm-hmm. so even after the breakup and her move they continued their sexual relationship so he is talking to his friends and he is dreading her moving there and talking he's shit so cool with like, having sex with her what a dick sorry no but also she couldn't give it up either so uh, i i don't know <laughs> This is a weird situation. Yeah, I don't know who side I'm on right now. I know. So it's hmm. it's tough because like Travis is just like I don't want to marry you. You're kind of obsessive, whatever. And Jody's just still all in and they continued this sexual relationship even after it ended. And That's when so she funny. moved to Mesa, they were continuing the sexual relationship and he'd call her over, basically booty call her at late at night, early in the morning and be yeah. like, I'm sleepy. I'm alone. Come over. Blah, blah, blah. Like, he was looking for something a little bit more like casual. She I guess so. She, that's my guess. I guess that was so. was his intention to begin with. Well, come to find out during this whole time, he's also dating other women. He's not having sex with them, but he's dating these other Mormon women trying to find a wife. Mm. So about nine months after her move, she realizes that um, Travis has been dating other women and she, he's using her as a booty call. And she 
finally gets fed up enough and she moves back to California to live with her grandparents. And Wairika is the name of the place. Wairika. <laughs> a few weeks after her move back to California, there's a call to 911 to report a burglary at her grandparents' house. Um, a gun and a few of Jody's things from her room were stolen. So a gun and a couple of Jody's things, like clothes. I, I don't even know. Just a couple oh, of her okay. things. Random. And it was an old gun. And it was a it was low caliber. And it was never recovered. Hmm. Um, Jody continued to work for PPL after the breakup and her move back to California. And through PPL, she meets another man named Ryan Burns. Shortly after the burglary at her grandparents house she was scheduled to um, i guess this isn't unbiased when i do that whoops so okay. whatever shortly after the burglary at her grandparents she was scheduled to go on a business trip to salt lake city utah which is also where ryan burns lived this guy that she met and she decided that since she was already going for a business visit um she was also going to visit ryan in salt lake city uh, while she was there. Also, from what I understand at this time, prepaid legal was full of a lot of Mormon people. So not only was it a lot of business stuff during these conferences and these meetings, it was a lot of religious stuff, too, because mm. so many of the people were Mormon. And so they right. hold them in like high Mormon population areas, too. Okay. So. So she decides, okay, I have a business, business trip in Salt Lake City. This is where this new guy lives. I'm also, since I'm going to be there, I'm also going to visit him. So here we go. June of 2008. On June 4th, Travis misses a work conference call, which is not like him at all. Mm. He was so dedicated to his job. It was no joke. It was his entire life and he made good money. Your camera, cam oh, there, there it goes. goes. Okay, it's messing up on me. I got it. <clears throat> so, him missing a conference call was a really big deal, not like him whatsoever. June 9th, his friends are really worried that nobody has heard from him. And this is the day before he's supposed to be going to, to Cancun. It's a big one, deal, bro. Where are you day, at? <laughs> right. One day before he was supposed to be going to Cancun and the woman who's supposed to go with him, her name is Mimi. She hasn't heard from him. She can't mm. get a hold of him. Hasn't heard from him in almost a week. And she's like, what the fuck is going on? Very so she contacts, um, I believe it's a, a, a friend of hers. So Mimi, she has a friend, and her friend's ex-boyfriend is Travis's old best friend. It's kind of like – Somewhere in a connection. Right. Okay. So she she calls her friend, and it's her friend and, and her boyfriend, her current boyfriend, that come over to Travis's house with her. They meet her there. They're knocking on the door. The dog is going crazy because Travis had a dog. Dog's going crazy. Travis has two roommates, I think. Nobody is answering the door. So the friend that where that connection is, somebody knows the garage passcode. Okay. So they give they give them the garage passcode. They go into the house and 
his car is there in the garage. His wallet is on the counter. His computer is on the counter. And apparently one of his roommates was there. I think he was playing like music really loud. And so they're walking upstairs and the house just like smells terrible. (gasps) Mimi said that as soon as you open the door, it was just like you smelt it. It was bad. Stop. She she said that she thought it was like they originally thought that the dog had an accident, but this was through the entire house. They said as soon as you went in, you could smell it. And my God. So they attributed it to either the dog having an accident or the fact that, you know, it was a bachelor pad. All of the guys yeah. that lived there. Was no cleaning was done. Right. right. <laughs> Which actually Travis kept an immaculate house. He would hire Jody to clean his house. Are you kidding me? Mm-mm. Wow. <laughs> his She's house was one damn special. Near- <laughs> right. That's fucked up. You're doing wifey shit without the ring. <laughs> Just saying. Jeez. But like his house is actually pretty immaculate for okay. being a bachelor pad. So they go upstairs, they hear the music playing from the roommate's room and eventually he comes out and he has a spare key to Travis's bedroom door because the bedroom door is locked. And Travis's okay. bedroom door is like French doors. It's a double door like this. Yeah. So he has a spare key to Travis's room. He grabs the spare key. He opens the door to the master bedroom. And as soon as the door opened, they're hit with, again, more intense, putrid oh my God. smell. Oh, I'm so scared. And, right. So a friend, yeah. the friend of Mimi, her boyfriend, and the roommate, so the two guys, they walk into the bedroom and they say there's blood everywhere. And so the women, they don't, they don't go in but they walk in and they walk into the bathroom they find travis dead in the shower there's blood abs there's blood everywhere and when i say everywhere i mean everywhere and he is severely decomposed oh my god yeah they could see multiple stab wounds and a gunshot wound in his head. They immediately called the police, telling them that their friend is dead. Very obviously, he was murdered. So that said on the 911 call, it was Mimi who called the police when the guys were screaming that he's dead. She ran downstairs and outside to be able to give the police the address, the house number. Yeah. And... So it's very obvious that he was murdered because there's stab wounds all over and a gunshot wound to his head. And the dispatcher asks if they know anybody who could or would have done this. And they immediately say Jody. That was the first time that her name was mentioned, which was in the very beginning. The 911 call. That is so funny you know she's a crazy bitch if everybody knows who she is absolutely you know so on jody's side on june 2nd she rented a car and left for her trip to salt lake city on june 3rd and she spent a few days traveling and visiting friends in california she spent two days with ryan fooling around and on June 2nd, she also got gas cans. So the same day that she rent the car, she also bought gas cans. Hmm. So she wouldn't have to stop for gas. 
So police arrive, find Travis stuffed in the shower stall. He is curled in the fetal position, absolutely covered in stab wounds, gunshot wound to the head, and his throat is slit from ear to ear. So from here to here, all the way across. Wow. The absolutely brutal like i mean horrific That's horrific and crazy. and the craziest thing is that all of the pictures are online you can look at them i yeah, i can't show it yeah. i can't show everything because no. i'm scared about youtube yeah. but if you guys are interested they are on google it's a quick it's, google search it's it's horrific but you can yeah. see that whoever killed him wanted him dead so oh absolutely three times yeah. <laughs> make sure <laughs> So the crime scene is absolutely horrific. There's blood everywhere. The sheets are removed from the bed. Blood trails on the floors, all over the sink, all over the walls. There's a a bloody palm print on the wall. A long brown hair found in the bathroom. Police see blood on the washing machine. Inside, they see the sheets from his bed. A digital camera inside of the washing machine. So his sheets and a digital camera, both the sheets and the camera had been washed. They had put been put through a wash cycle. The camera was sent off to the crime lab to see if any evidence could be recovered. And later, the medical examiner said that his n- head was nearly cut off. Travis's head. It was nearly cut off. That's how deep wow. this wound to his throat was. It was no joke. It was immediately ruled a homicide. Coroner says that three of the wounds alone would have been fatal. Just what Katie said. Three of the wounds alone would have been fatal. It would have been he had a stab oh, to the chest that God. pierced his heart, the his throat being slit, and he had a gunshot wound right here. Oh my God. So Travis's friends tell police that Jody had been stalking him. And in the nine months of her living in Mesa and him dating other women, she would show up at his house, drive by, get out, look in the windows. His tires got slashed twice. Oh, my God. Notes were left on the car to the women that he was dating. (gasps) When the tires were slashed, he slashed another girl's tires, was sending threatening emails to Are him and other me? women. Uh-uh. Wow. Nope. That is class A crazy bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, and it gets worse. Crazy. Julie was going missing from the house. She'd sneak in through Travis's doggy door and crawl in bed with him or sleep on what? his couch. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I don't even and know so- what to say. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> So all of his friends are pointing the finger at Jody immediately. Also, within this time of her being on this trip, she went from being a platinum blonde to dyeing her hair. She was a brunette. When wow. she showed up at Ryan Burns' house, she was a brunette all of a sudden. Hmm. <clears throat> so June 7th, and this is Jody's alibi. Jody gets home from her road trip 2,800 miles were put on that rental car. Almost 3,000 miles were put on that That's damn rental smoking car. smoking fucking gun in my and opinion. just a couple of mm. days. A few days after she finds out about Travis's death, she's posting on MySpace about how heartbroken that she is, about how Travis was her soulmate. She planned on seeing him again someday, posting a bunch of memorial pictures of him and them together. June 17th, 10 days later, Jody is reaching out to police to offer any help. 
any help, which come to find out based on testimony, she actually called the day after his body or the day of the evening of and the morning after his body was found. She called the detective to give any help, whatever. Okay. Weird. Did, wait, she just did that out of the blue? No, Absolutely. She did it out of the blue. Yep. Weird. Also, I forgot to mention, totally weird that whoever killed Travis cleaned the sheets but didn't bother to clean up the crime scene weird we'll get into it weird (laughs) um she was telling the detective that she wasn't even in mesa when he was murdered she hasn't seen him since april whatever you need i want to help she offers to take a polygraph test she willingly gives a dna sample which as did all of his other friends they gave dna samples and blood samples too i believe there was fucking blood everywhere so they kind of needed it yeah. And through police piecing together phone records and computer activity, they de- they determined that Travis was decomposing in his back room for five days. Wow, so he was murdered on June 4th. Mm. His roommates lived with his dead body for five days. That's what his- I was going to ask you. God, it smelled so bad. What? What? They just didn't think anything of it. And like, especially there's Men. one roommate, his <laughs> right. There's one roommate, his name is Zach. He had a really, really, really hard time dealing with the fact that he didn't piece things together because like Travis's car was there, his wallet, Aww. his computer, and everything, and nobody had heard from him. And they yeah, he didn't piece it together. When you put suspicious. it like that, yeah, it sounds that's weird. It's a little weird. He went through like some serious like depression and shit because of it, which I, oh, I completely yeah, I agree. understand. I probably would too. Damn. So investigators are able to recover the evidence from the SD card found in the camera, even though it was attempted to be destroyed. So not only was the camera and SD card attempted to be destroyed by washing it in the washing machine, but all the pictures and stuff were deleted off of it. But they were able to recover it. Recover. Mm-hmm. Um, they find sexual photos of jody and travis i'm going to show some of this and i'm i've got my fingers crossed that youtube's not going to take it down because it is censored at least a little bit yeah so let's hope for the best here by the way guys to help with these kinds of episodes you can technically help us out by buying our merch (laughs) (laughs) and we could kind of get past the whole copyright issues all right here we go Uh Okay, so I'm actually not gonna blow it up because I don't okay. want I yeah, I don't yeah. want YouTube to scream at me. But this is one of the photos that's found on the camera. Okay, and it's taken the day that Travis was murdered. This is and a picture is of definitely Jody, right? Definitely, absolutely. I mean, I could blow it up if I wanted to, but I'm kind of yeah. scared. It's definitely Jody, brown you hair. She's got little got pigtails then there's a picture of travis he's laying in bed he's also naked there's a bottle of ky jelly here on the bed right next to him another picture of jody another picture of travis all right we'll get back to it okay i could probably blow this one up so yeah we'll get we'll get travis. back to this okay i'll remove all right i just i didn't want to blow up those ones because even though they are censored youtube you guys be, the they be trying yeah. us sometimes you know they do. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> so, so they find those sexual pictures, which obviously they were uncensored. And um, 
So some of the pictures were taken, obviously, by Jody. Some of them were taken, obviously, by Travis. But mm-hmm. the craziest thing about it is that every picture that was found on that camera is timestamped. Not only the Ooh. date, but down to the minute, down to the second. They are all timestamped, bitch. Damn. So police immediately know that Jody is lying and they huh. have proof. Wow. She was there the day that he was murdered. Again, all of Travis's friends believe that she was the only person that would be capable of doing this or would even want to do this. Yep. And Jody said that Travis invited her to come to his house on her road trip to Salt Lake City. Uh, but she told him that she wouldn't be able to make it. So mm. she says, oh, yeah, he invited me there, One but lie. I didn't go. One mm. lie already. Damn. So originally, police assumed that the murder had to have been done by two people because of how fucking brutal it was and how much overkill it was. It didn't seem realistic or even physically possible that only one person could have been capable of doing this. Yeah. Additional evidence found at the scene was smeared blood indicative of somebody attempting to clean it up so smeared blood in several places like somebody tried to clean it up some some blood washed away um his body was partly washed to remove blood he barely had any additional blood on him he was pretty clean Hmm. and sheets off the bed were washed and obviously travis's camera the photos on the camera along with the timestamps, proved to the police that jody was the last to see travis alive and because they already determined the day that he died based on uh, his phone and computer activity. So they know that that was the day. So here's the timestamps. 1.40 p.m. on June 4th. Uh, timestamps start. And that's like the sexual pictures. At 5.29 p.m. we have the infamous photo of Travis in the shower moments before he died. So I'm going to share my screen really quick. Okay show you guys these pictures this is that infamous photo of travis this picture specifically was taken one to two minutes before he died Mm. which is the creepiest thing about that Mm. and at this point we don't even know if he knew that he was gonna die kind of looks like he knew yeah he either looks like scared or kind of angry i don't know trying to figure out what's going on yeah either of the two or three there's several pictures of like him posing like this where he's kind of modeling taking pictures in the shower um having fun yeah and so somebody's obviously taking you know trying to take decent pictures of him in the shower and then it turns into these accidental pictures. Hopefully YouTube is okay with this. Nothing's showing. No. So there's this picture, which not 100% sure if it's an accidental picture or not. But then this is the next photo. So this is three at uh, 5.31 p.m. 14 seconds. This is a picture of the bathroom ceiling. This huh. right here is a light in the shower. And this right here, come to find out later, this dark color up here, we think that's Jody's hair. Ooh. So let's see. This is another one of the accidental <sighs> photos, which I'm actually going to pull up 
this lightened version. That so, looks like blood. Yeah. Ooh, this right here is a person's foot. And so this is a shoe and they've got sweatpants on. This right here is Travis's head. I Here's see. his shoulder. Like shoulder arm. His okay. arm is up. And then it's kind of the camera is like on the ground facing his head. So back here is his foot. Here's his I kitchen. See. Not kitchen yeah. But bathroom counter where the sink and stuff at. And this yeah. is like his bathroom tile floor. And right here is the threshold where the tile turns to carpet. Mm. Very interesting accidental pictures. Very. I have to say, here's a light, a more lightened version of the accidental Bathroom. picture where you can kind of see hair yeah. right here. It does kind of look like hair. At and first, I thought maybe it was like a fan, but no, that looks like someone's hair. And then there's also an accidental picture where there's like a, a baseboard with blood on it so those are the accidental pictures that we have during investigations of all of travis's friends um all of travis's friends and jody offer blood samples for testing police discover the infamous bloody palm print uh found had both travis and jody's blood in it Mm. So there's this like infamous, very clear palm print on the wall, and it's a mixture of Travis and Jody's blood. And with this information, police believe that they have enough evidence to charge her, and they bring it to the grand jury to get an indictment. July 15th, Jody is arrested for first degree murder. She is adamant that she had nothing to do with this. And the cop explains to Jody in the interrogation that everyone is pointing the finger at her. She briefly mentions that Ryan Burns, her new boyfriend, person of interest, even said that everyone in Utah thought that she had a hand in it. Mm. The cop. So we're getting into the interrogation at this point. Okay. Cop explains, which come to find out, this is Detective Flores. He explains to Jody about how he understands how they weren't boyfriend and girlfriend anymore, him, her and Travis. They weren't boyfriend and girlfriend anymore, but still having sex yeah. to explain why she could have had a motive. And Jody asks if Travis's family knows about their sexual relationship. Flores says, no, they don't know anything. And she's like, I'm just kind of interested in trying to protect how he's remembered. Mm. The cop explains that at this point with, um, with what happened to Travis, that he doubt that Travis uh, would care about what people even in the church thought about him because he was brutally murdered. So it's like, what what do you care? Yeah. Jody says, I think in the broad scope of things that uh, that could be right. Like, oh, wh why do you care? Lord Travis wouldn't care. The reason I care about that is because I would because he was adamant about that a couple of times we prayed about that and it didn't work we still st um we didn't stick to our guns over it about not having sex mm -hmm. jody says that a friend told her to go speak with the bishop about it and when she brought the idea up to travis talking to the bishop about having premarital sex that travis got super angry and she said that he and said that he was embarrassed and that he would that they would stop having sex for a few weeks and then they started back up again. So apparently he got angry at the idea of her bringing it up to somebody higher up in the church. Right. So 
Flores tells Jody that Travis wrote in his journal about having feelings for Jody, but he believed that the relationship was super unhealthy and toxic. Jody says that she agrees that it was really unhealthy, at least spiritually and probably emotionally. She goes on a rant about why she left Mesa. She talks about her finances. She owes a lot of money to her family and friends. She is missing out with her family, her parents, her grandparents, her brother, her sister. And while she's talking about that, she's like crying. And then she just abruptly stops. It's very weird. And on to this, the third point where she abruptly stops to put distance between me and Travis. Very strange. The- Through the whole thing, she's just so weird. It's just not normal. So and it's like, it's almost like she talks as if she is trying to appear as normal as possible, but her trying to be normal is not normal. If that makes sense. It does make sense. Hmm. After saying that, she immediately goes into how she met Ryan. She says that the main reason that her and Travis broke up was because of trust. Says that as a convert to Mormonism and being in relationships in the past, sexual ones, that she would joke about how she only followed the Ten Commandments, which didn't say don't fornicate. Yeah. And but she also says that the instant gratification of sex with Travis was ruining what they could have had together, possible marriage. And she says that he was super resistant to prayer, at least with her, her own hmm. words. She thinks that because they were driving away the Holy Spirit with sex or he'd feel guilty about it later. If he prayed with her, he'd feel guilty about it later. That makes sense. Cops, the Detective Flores talks about how Travis felt he was falling behind on time to settle down and get married, have kids. And Jody says that Travis told her about how his chances of finding a wife after 31 significantly drops, which I found out that they have these things called single wards, which is basically just like a a group and single wards they have these activities during the week where they meet up with a bunch of other singles and they're like meet and greets try to find you a a husband or a wife well once you hit the age of 31 you aren't in the singles ward anymore you get moved to a family ward which would be the activities that you do outside of the church in the church are with people who are married and have children once you hit 31 you're no longer in the singles ward so that's what she was saying was like after he hits 31 um you know his chances of finding a wife are slim to none sure so Jody says that they talked about marriage while they were dating and Travis jokingly proposed several times. But after the breakup on a phone call, he was serious and proposing and said that they uh, Jody said that they never said I love you during their actual relationship, but they did after they broke up, which is weird. Hmm. briefly she mentions breaking up with him on the phone says that it reached a point where i couldn't be ignored anymore which i found interesting it is interesting Mm -hmm. (laughs) very interesting flores he brings up mimi the woman who was supposed to go to go with travis to cancun and jody says that travis showed 
Jody pictures of Mimi on Facebook says that she seemed like a nice girl that Travis said that he didn't know why, but he thought that she may be the one. And it said, and she said that this conversation happened in Travis's bedroom. Mimi had called Travis a few weeks before Cancun and told him that if he wanted to take somebody else to Cancun, that he should because Mimi didn't look at him romantically. She didn't have romantic feelings for him. Wow. That's pretty honorable. And cool. Jody says that Travis's bishop said that it was because Mimi, she was at a higher spiritual caliber than Travis. And that's why Ooh. she didn't romantically feel anything for him. And Jody said that she felt responsible for Travis not being on that same spiritual caliber. She felt responsible for that because of the, the sex. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. And she was like, if I just cut ties with Travis, you know, I'd probably, I'd probably be married. I'd be working on my own family. And Detective Flores talks about how most people in Travis's life, Jody was kept a secret from, particularly after the breakup, but that there were some people that Travis would talk to about how Jody was obsessive and would sneak in when she wasn't invited or he wasn't even there, and how he didn't want her at the house. Jody even says that the more people knew about their relationship, the more the two of them got stressed out. So that's why they kept it secret or at least tried to. Yeah. Jody begins with her whole alibi story about how she went on a road trip to Utah, several places that she stayed at in California, friends that she visits with. And she goes on this big, long rant about how she got lost. She draws out a map for Detective Flores, and she's like, here's the 15, and here's the 40, and I got on 93, and I was going north, and I was supposed to be going east. And I mean, she goes through this whole full-blown thing and says that she accidentally crossed into Arizona twice. But she said that it was just like right over the border. It was no big deal. She, but she was never anywhere near Mesa or like the Phoenix area. And she's using this story of being lost and going here and going there and taking a complete detour and whatever. She's using this story to account for all those damn miles that she put on that rental car. Uh-huh. Good point. But the story doesn't make any sense because even if she stopped to sleep and got stranded, it doesn't account for almost like 20 hours of her road trip. Yep. She, if she, even if she slept for 12 hours and she apparently got stranded, ran out of gas, it doesn't account for almost a full day. It's like 18 or 20 hours that aren't accounted for. Hmm. And, of course, those hours that aren't accounted for are on the day that Travis got killed. Of yep. course. Of course. Not to mention that Jody's phone was turned off when she was in, like, in the L.A. area. She was in the L.A. area, and her phone was turned off, and it didn't turn on until almost 24 hours later in Arizona. And... The cop said that he's convinced that she went and saw Travis. She insists that she was nowhere near his house, Mesa or Phoenix. And he's like, well, what if I could show you proof that you were? <laughs> and 
and she continued to insist that she wasn't there. Also, the way that they were able to see that she was in Arizona was that there's a specific cell phone tower that's like in like a mountain range that it would only ping at that phone tower if she was on the other side of that mountain range in Arizona, which would have been way further into Arizona than she said that she went when she got lost. Another suspicious fact. Yep. Yeah. Which is a really interesting fact. It's very minute detail that very, is kind of glossed yeah. over. Yeah. And Flora says, you were at Travis's house. You had a sexual encounter, which there's pictures. I know you. I know that they, I know you know that there's pictures. I'll show them to you. So I'm asking you to be honest with me. I know you were there. The pictures from the camera and the washing machine. Right. Are you sure that those pic- pictures aren't from another time? And he is like, I'm positive because they're time stamped. Stupid. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> and Jody says the last time that I had sexual contact with Travis was all the way back in April. Flores says, remember I told you about the camera that somebody had, you know, like put in the washing machine that it was damaged and it was put through a wash cycle, but the SD card is still intact. Uh And I didn't want to tell you the truth about the SD card because I wanted to make sure that those photos were accurate. We can pull deleted photos, can get the timestamps on them. I have pictures of you in Travis's bedroom, and it's obvious that you guys are having sex, taking photos of each other together. Um, They're dated and timestamped the day that he died. Mm. Jody says, are you sure it's me? Because I wasn't there. Oh, my God. And this kind of just goes on. You got got. You right. got. <laughs> He's like, I know it's you. I know the details of this case. I just don't know the why. Why did you do this? You hurt him. That's why. Uh, that's why we're here. I can't. I can just arrest you and throw you in jail, but I want to know why. And she goes on to say, like, I wouldn't hurt him. Um, you know. And he, and she's like, I lived there for months. That's why my hair is there. <laughs> like, agree. And she talks about, like, we're talking about the pictures of Travis in the shower at this point. And she's like, I don't think that he'd allow me to take pictures of him in the shower. And Flores says, and the camera accidentally took a couple of pictures during him being killed. And she's like, really? Oh, my God. Yeah, Jody, you were there. Quit playing this game. He literally says that to her. I don't know. I didn't hurt him. And this this whole back and forth really just goes on for hours. But it speaks volumes. <laughs> yeah. You got and that. she says, like, I can explain the blood. I can explain the hair. Like, I can explain the blood because, like, I cut myself one time that I was bathing Travis's dog. And I was using a glass cup and he knocked the cup out of my hand and the cup broke and I had a cup on my hand and I, I bled and it was no big deal. But, you know, I was just being like clumsy. Mm. So that's probably why you found my blood from months, six months ago, whatever. And my hair. Well, you know, like, yeah, there's probably hair in the bathroom from me because I was there, you know, for months yeah. prior. Right. <laughs> right. And so, <clears throat> sorry, I have to find where I'm at in my note. <clears throat> so, Flores was saying that um, 
that this wasn't just like hair out of the shower or out of a brush. This hair was stuck with blood and obviously had blood on it at the time that it got stuck where it was. There's literally no other one of her hair there. And she's like, can you take a hair sample? You know that how they do like drug testing and they can figure out like how long ago somebody did drugs. She's asking if you can do like a hair sample to figure out how long that hair has been there. And Flores is like, we have your DNA matching that hair to you. That hair had a hair follicle on it, meaning that the hair wasn't there for very long because a hair follicle will only last a couple of days. Hmm. It will literally disintegrate and fall off with decomposition because it's, again, a part of your body. Yeah, Yeah, it's like skin. That's fascinating. I wouldn't have ever really thought about that. Yeah. And he's like, there's a hair follicle on it. And then they go into talking about the gun that Travis got shot with. The caliber of the bullet that he was shot with was the same caliber of the gun that was stolen from Jody's grandparents' house. And Jody's hmm. like, so he, uh, a 25 auto was used to kill Travis? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> along with, the, mul- mm-hmm. along oh with the multiple stab wounds. And he's like, if you want, I can show you some pictures of Travis and like show you what he looks like. Is that going to paint you a better picture and get you to like tell me what the hell you did? And she's like, well, part of me wants to see them and part of me doesn't. She Every time that she said that, she always said it was like morbid curiosity. And it's like, I think you just kind of wanted to see your handiwork, but okay. Uh, yeah. And so she's like, part of me does and part of me doesn't want to see him. And he's like, because you don't want to remember. And she's like, no, because there's a morbid curiosity. I wanted to know how he died. And, like, trust me, if you knew this person, you loved this person, you cared about this person, those would would be the last thing that you would want to see. Nope, I don't want to see him. Hide him forever. Especially as somebody who has seen the photos. I've seen the autopsy photos and I've seen the crime scene photos. They are more They're terrible. They're terrible. And I can't imagine seeing somebody that I love and care about in that position at all. Right, right, right. And so it's, again, just this crazy game of back and forth. She's mm-hmm. insisting that she didn't have anything to do with it. And Jody's just – he's trying to convince her, you know, about, like, if you're found guilty for this, you're either going to spend the rest of your life in prison or you're going to die. You're, you're going to get the death penalty. And she's like, listen, if I'm found guilty, I don't have a life. I'm not guilty. If I had hurt or killed Travis, I'd beg for the death penalty. And let's see. And Flores is just like, if you had this evidence against me, what would you think? And she's like, well, it's really obvious, but being in my my shoes, it seems impossible. I'm not a murderer, but if I were to do that, I'd wear gloves or something. I don't know. (laughs) And he's like, I know you tried to wash him off. You tried to wash his body off, tried to get some of the blood off, um, but you're even denying the pictures of you being there. Which doesn't yeah. make any make any sense. There's pictures of you laying on the bed in pigtails naked. And she's like, pigtails? Oh, my God. 
This is embarrassing as hell now. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing when I was watching it. I was just like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing for you, but she's not embarrassed at all. Listen, if you're going to be ballsy enough to sit on a bed with pigtails naked, (laughs) it's just just cough it up. We know you do. (laughs) And he's like, I've got pictures of you blown up if you want to see them. Like, I can see your mole. Oh, like, do you do you want to see the pictures? Is that going to change your mind? And she's like, well, I am kind of curious. (laughs) I want to see pictures of myself naked. Yeah, that sounds great. Mm. And so he goes on to say that everybody is is saying that Jody is absolutely obsessive. And he even uses the word fatal attraction. He says that Travis's friends are using the words fatal attraction. Hmm. And then Jody's like, well, did you find the gun? <laughs> Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and then they go on to talk about the pants because of the picture of the foot right in front of Travis's body during the killing of the accidental photo. They know that those are those are Jody's pants. But they're going, he's going into detail asking about the pants and seeing if mm. she will admit that she has pants that looks like that. He eventually shows her the picture of um, her naked on the bed and he like puts a piece of paper over her body trying to like cover her up to not like embarrass her, I guess, which she eventually lifts up and looks under and he's like, there's you, there's all of you. And she goes, Oh, that does look like me. (laughs) This bitch. (laughs) And he also shows one of the accidental photos, the one of Travis in the background, the one with the the leg in it. And he's like, that's you. These are your pants. That's Travis on the ground, you know? And she just starts to fake cry. And he's like, she's like, that's his bathroom. That's not my foot. And he's like, those are your pants. And she's like, well, I have both of those pants at home, which doesn't really make any sense. And, and Flora says that nobody could recognize Travis because he was there for so long. And he goes, see the date 6408. 522 p.m. That's when it started. And the photos of you started at 1:30. And then they show he shows the bloody palm print picture. And she's like, Well, I don't have any cuts on my palm. And he's like, Well, I didn't say that you would have had to have a cut on your palm to put blood on the wall. And mm-hmm. she's going on and on about how her cat scratches her and her cat is like this feral cat and is just kind of mean. She's like, See, I've got I've got this and this and this and this. This is all from my cat. And it it doesn't have anything to do with any of it. And I think at this point, Detective Flores kind of gets pissed off because he's not getting anywhere yeah. with Jody and so he kind of flashes a picture of one of the pictures of Travis dead Ooh. at her it's very quick it's very fast he's just kind of like you know flipping through the pictures showing her wow. the palm print showing her naked on the bed and she's doing all of this talking about her feral cat and he kind of flashes the picture of Travis dead in her face and she says if i was ever going to kill somebody i'd wear gloves she said it again if i'd kill if i was going to kill somebody i'd wear gloves i have plenty of them she's a talker that's for sure oh absolutely specifically with detective flores and the majority of the time there i had platinum blonde hair and because at this point she was a brunette 
the hair that was found in the house that was her hair was brown. So it was right after she died, her hair it wasn't mm. a blonde hair. Um, let's see. What can I skip over here? He tells her that even her parents have said that she they're concerned about her and thinking that she has something to do with this crime. Um, she's complaining about how people are ruining her reputation and he's just like, your reputation is the last thing that you should be worried about. And she also infers that the pictures of her naked on the bed could potentially be edited. Hmm. Yeah. Tell me. <laughs> Let's see. And eventually he just gets fed up and he's like, listen, we're going to get you extradited and we're going to get you, we're going to book you because like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. You're being booked on first degree murder. You're going to be extradited to Arizona and tried. There's a warrant out for your arrest. Your bond is set for $2 million. She didn't know any of this. She didn't know that she was being booked. She didn't know that she had already been extradited. She was like, he was like, you're going to be taken across the street to county jail, seen in front of a judge within 24 hours. We're going to, and he's originally being like, we're going to file extradition papers, yada, yada, yada. But then he comes around and he is like, just by the way, I already filed the extradition papers. It's already been approved by the court. Like you're, (laughs) you're done for. It's like, we're we've just just been sitting here just for fun. (laughs) Just to see if it would get her to change anything about her story. And it did not, it didn't, Mm. she did not budge. And so he's like, yeah, we already filed these charges. Grand jury has already indicted you back to Arizona. And she's like, this is going to seem really trivial and it's going to show how shallow I am. But can I, can I like get myself kind of cleaned up before you guys take me to get booked? Cause she knew that she was going to get her mugshot taken. What in mm-hmm. the hell? And wow. he was like, no, you're going to be taken just like that. And so he leaves to go start on the paperwork. And that's when she does the craziest fucking thing that I think anybody has ever seen anybody in an interrogation room do. She does a fucking headstand. She gets up She's and fucking crazy. Did you push through the screen? Share? I did. She I did. does a fucking headstand up against the wall. Not only does she do a headstand. She also sings some random song. I don't know what it is. It's talking it about oh, holy night. She does sing that, but she, the first one that she's singing is talking. All I remembered from it is something about breathing and she's singing that. And then she does this headstand and she Bizarre. also digs through the trash can. So here in this photo, she's singing and laughing and talking to herself. And in this photo, she's digging through the trash can. What in the world? So weird. Also, I think it's so strange that the song, the other song that she was singing was Oh, Holy Night. This was in the middle of summer. It's not like, oh, it's around Christmas time and it's just kind of in your head. What a weird She's song choice. Crazy. Crazy, crazy woman. I'm going to run to the bathroom really quick if you want to show the merch and then I'll get into the second half. All right. I'll be right back. I do. So, guys, now that we're in the middle of the episode, let's talk about some merch. We made these designs just for you guys. This is the literally, I guess I can't show you my cursor, but this is the literally dead on the very right. That is one of our collections. We had Will You Be My Girlfriend that is now not in shop anymore. That was a 
Valentine's Week exclusive, but you can see the one that Joey made over on the very left. And let's see, we got hoodies with the skeletonette and the iconic collection is there on the left with our mug. You can get 10% off of everything that you want to buy in their store by using Be My Ghoul, B-E-M-Y-G-H-O-U-L. It would help support us and it would also help us to still be able to do episodes like we're doing today because as you have seen, there is a lot of uh, risque photos, but you know, we want to give you guys the best of the best. We want to give you guys the best accurate information that we can. You can also follow us on all of these social seen here. Um, yeah, that's everything for me. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. Also, okay. the link to all of that is in the description. Perfect timing. I was just saying you got here right back in time. All right. Do we have any comments from anybody that we've missed at all? Nope. All right. Sweet. So then on July 16th, which is like a, a month later, I think, she has a second interrogation with a woman cop. And actually for time, she doesn't literally say anything worth a substance. This woman detective or officer is just talking, giving her all of these different scenarios that probably could have happened, begging her to give her some information to tell Travis's parents, like just begging her, absolutely begging her to give her something. Hours worth worth of interrogation footage. And wow. Jody is just, on one hand, she's like this with Detective Flores, who is a man. And on the other hand, she is zipped with this, uh, this lady. Investigate. Yeah. Wow. And okay. a lot like th this specific interrogation is notorious specifically for that. The night and day difference. I mean, she flat out ignores this woman, looks her straight in the eye and flat out ignores most of what. Wow. She and I literally wrote in my notes, she's notorious for talking significantly less in this interrogation. Speculation is because that the interrogator was a woman. That's Lots of guess. long pauses during this one, particularly more helpful, helpful, helpful for me during this two hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you don't have to take all these freaking notes. And... Mm. Yeah, I mean, I still ended up taking several pages worth of notes, but it's really nothing of substance and except for I think she asks her at one point, you know, like, were you scared? And Jody like kind of nods. And so the cop tries to run with that and Jody goes straight back like, mm -mm. <gasps> damn. Let's see. Ignoring, long silence, no answers. And ev eventually, like, she thinks that she's getting somewhere with, like, Jody doing that nod. And so she's, like, trying to push a little bit. And the whole time during this thing, really the only thing that Jody would say would be, can I look at some of those pictures? I think it'll help me remember. I think it'll help me piece things together. I need some closure. She asks like five or six times if she can look at the pictures. Oh my that God. Night. That's disgusting. And so again, after the whole head nod thing and the cop is like trying to run with it and like digging and digging this at this point had been 
total like six hours of interrogation oh from beginning God. like throughout the couple no. of days it had been six hours and they hadn't gotten any answers out of jody so this cop is fucking pissed and I'm then tired. jody re Jesus. reverts back to the i wasn't there blah 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 and the cop is just like listen you're yanking my chain i'm not getting anywhere with you you want to talk to detective flores and jody's like well i didn't really have a preference but you know sure but Detective Flores was also the one who had the binder with the photos in it. So Jody's just like, well, I want to see the photos. <laughs> um, Dude, that is so fucked up. I, I can't yeah. get past the I want to see the photos thing. Like so many times. It's so disturbing. Let's see. So Detective Flores comes in and Jody goes on about the pictures and how she thinks that she'll be able to put things together and get some closure if she sees the pictures. Basically, like breadcrumbs. Like, oh, I'll give you information. I'll be able to piece together the information to give a confession if you show me the pictures, which is just weird. That's so fucked up specifically she wanted to see that infamous picture of uh travis in the shower of him looking directly yeah. at the camera that was one of the ones that she really wanted to see and she said that mm, let's see how did she know that there was one she she had seen it and detective flores had talked to her about it she had seen it once oh so she wanted to see it again gotcha mm -hmm. okay so this is the fourth hour of interrogation number two and Flores says was someone else there with you yes or no I'm trying to think what would happen if I told you everything what would happen if I gave you a confession and he's like um and then she says I wonder if I should just get a lawyer first would they still let me talk to you and he is like well it's up to you if you want to get to a lawyer but I'll tell you right now they're not going to want you to talk to me they're not going to want you to talk to me at all I'm that, and that's the truth a lawyer isn't gonna want you to talk to an He's interrogator true. yeah and and detective flores he testified so <laughs> um so yeah the lawyer will tell you not to talk to me and she also refers to this imaginary lawyer that she doesn't have yet as he it was like he <laughs> talking about this lawyer that she doesn't have again this i don't know this is just speculation weird it's weird Very. that she has this thing with men does not want to talk to women does not really want to have anything to do with women she just sounds like a really insecure girl yeah can i just say that <laughs> yeah not impressive <clears throat> and finally she jody can use her looks to get men to do whatever she apparently oh, absolutely. wants that's my opinion but she couldn't get a ring from travis and that was a <laughs> Finally, she just says to Detective Flores, I was scared. And he says, um, and you just went on with your day like nothing happened. And she said, I had to. And she said that it's all a blur. Um, and abruptly, again, she's like, can I please see those photos? And apparently, I don't know. I just oh. it's so weird, which I had never seen or heard that part of this story about how many times that she had asked to see basically the crime scene photos that she took. That's so, it's so weird. 
I mean, and she's arguing like, I loved him so much. I loved him. I love him. I'm like, I, nope. I'm, yeah. It's on that. I would be fucked up for life. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the whole thing was that, like, I guess there were two other detectives that had went to go check out the rental car that she had rented and they took the binder with them with the pictures. So he actually didn't have the pictures. And he was just saying, as soon as the detectives get back, um, they went to go check on your rental car. And she says, they'll probably find something in the rental car like blood. Mm-hmm. She is such a dumbass. I know. <laughs> like, and then Flores is like, Flores is like, were you worried that his roommates would get home soon? Like when you were there killing yeah. him? Um, And she says, well, did they hear anything? no they saw his stuff on the counter and thought that it was weird there were clues here and there but they went on like nothing happened they knew that he was leaving to cancun but they didn't know when so they just assumed that he had left it's so blatantly obvious like mm-hmm. god damn just lock her up throw away the key and so then flores is like well what time did you leave what time did you leave travis's house after the murder and she just shrugs and he's like what you don't remember just try to get as much distance that you could how long were you in the house after i know you tried to clean up why did you throw the camera in the washing machine we found blood on in the downstairs bathroom where someone tried to wash their hands do you remember those things and jody says no um did you guys talk while you were en route to Phoenix? So when she's driving, he's like, well, did you talk? And she was like, yeah, briefly. I told him that my phone was dying, which was true. I thought that I left my charger in Monterey. I spent a lot of the drive on the phone and I take a lot of pictures of myself. Oh, shit. And Flores, la- he's like, mm, I noticed. And she just laughs. And this is right oh. after she's finally basically just admitted that she was there when he was murdered at least after hours and hours of interrogation i know it's so frustrating that's why i i told katie i said this one was tough this episode specifically was tough because there's so many things to follow it's hard to keep track of and i tried to put it in a way that it's easy for people to listen to and stay on track with she literally needs to be beat up and it literally you just want to shake her you want to jump through the camera just whap whap like her head off what a bitch (laughs) so finally she says that she got there around 3 a.m on wednesday the day of his murder says that they didn't go anywhere they just slept because they were tired from her drive she says that travis stayed up all night waiting for her to get there and she's laughing about the stupid youtube videos that he was watching at like three o'clock in the morning waiting for her to get there to keep himself awake confirms that the pictures that um confirms that when the pictures were um taken says that they were they also made a sex tape they made a video but they deleted it and flora says that videos are harder to recover when deleted off of an sd card because they're so the file is so much bigger and he's trying to get information about the pictures of travis in the shower what happened after and jody just randomly asks about the rental car what's super creepy is detective flora says what did you do and jody goes like this and cracks her neck 
and doesn't say anything. He's like asking her, you know, what did he you do? What did you do to Travis? Like just God. And like I mean, the what the hell? She knows she has the upper hand. <laughs> I think so. And like he it was either him or the woman cop that was interrogating her one of them and they were like listen we, obviously you have the power here and you have the upper hand because you're the only one that has the answers but i'm letting you know right now a jury is gonna take that upper hand from you <laughs> yep <laughs> hi joseph hi joey um but yeah and it, the camera for the interrogation room it's all the way in the corner and she's on the like so she's here and the camera's back here she cracked her neck so hard you could hear it and oh it, like so he's like well you know what did you do to travis blah 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 and she goes I, I thought it was just fucking like, creepy right. considering the context <laughs> Oh, no. And she says that she didn't plan on doing anything that whole time. She wasn't planning on murdering him. She did not take a gun with her. Um, um bullshit on that one because she called in that her gun was missing. Like what two weeks before? Gun. Yeah, mm -hmm. but she says that she's never held a gun. She's never shot a gun. It was and she never had the gun. That's what she says. She went on that trip knowing exactly what she was going to do. I totally agree. When asked if she was protecting someone, like, well, did somebody else do this and you were there? You hire somebody, whatever. Are you t protecting someone else? She nods, but she says that she didn't know why anybody would do this to Travis. And then who did this? Well, I don't know. Hmm. I can tell you everything that I remember. And then she starts crying. After a long time, she says, uh, it's better if everyone just thinks it was me. It's just better that way if everybody just thinks that it was me. God, she's going. Da -da 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 yeah. Like, I can't keep up with all of her lies. Imagine watching 10 hours of it. I can't imagine what this detective felt that. like. Yeah. Detective Morris is, seems like a very patient man, and he did a really good job during these interrogations, but I just don't know how he did it because I was I just furious that. watching it. Oh, yeah. Um, He asked again why somebody would do this in jody says they didn't say what was the first thing that they did to him you were there you saw it i actually didn't see it i heard it is what she says <laughs> um and she asks again to see the pictures as if she'll talk when she sees the pictures i don't Second know who theory though i don't mean what? to cut you off no 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 i feel like she maybe if there was someone else that like killed him like let's say it wasn't jody it's oh. almost kind of like she doesn't believe them that he's dead in a way like i want to see these photos that is That's the only rational thing i can think of in my rational person brain why would you why why would you want to see your lover yeah, dead like that's the only thing i can think of but she's not a rational person, so I have to tell no. myself that there's no That's why it just reason. doesn't make any sense is because in her line of thinking and with all of the story, it, none of it pieces together. Like, literally none of it. So the hard so thing about this is trying to make sense of the story and tell it in a certain way. But there's just puzzle pieces that are never going to go together. And that's mm. the craziest part about this. Story. These cats are going fucking nuts. So I'm sorry. Yeah, they've been, here they've been having a party in the back. You just see somebody yeah, zooming they, they across. Like, there was you know? two of them. I think it was Bob and another kitty up there on the ledge for a little while. Uh, they're so annoying. <laughs> so 
Jody says, I don't know who they were. They know where I live, my parents' address. They know where my family is. So you're doing this to protect your family? Why would they do this to you? Why would they do this to him? Well, I don't think they intended on ever doing anything to me. I think that I was an element of surprise to them. I didn't recognize them. They didn't discuss much. They argued about whether or not to kill me because I was a witness. I didn't see much. I just heard it. Cop tells her that he doesn't believe this. So Flora says, I don't believe this. This is ridiculous. I don't believe yeah. this. Bullshit. And he also explains how people don't just barge into somebody's house, murder somebody, and let a witness go. That doesn't happen. No. And Jody brings up the Sopranos and the mafia and infers that these people who supposedly killed Travis could have had something to do with the mafia. All right. <laughs> said that they were white americans that both of them had ski masks on um said that her and travis had sex before the murder a couple of times said that they were messing around with the computer trying to retrieve pictures that she brought on like discs i think but his computer had a virus and it wouldn't it wasn't working and so she asked him if she could take pictures of him in the shower she gushes about the infamous picture right before he died of him looking straight on into the camera and she says that he was kneeling slash laying down in the shower she was taking pictures of him and boom he was shot just boom out of nowhere gunshot while she's taking pictures is i don't even know how to react to her stories like i know all over the place it's bizarre Mm mm-hmm so she says that Travis was screaming and she thinks that she got knocked out. He was holding his head and two people were there. She said that she put her hand on Travis's back and he told her to get help and run. When she turned around to the two people, it was one man and one woman. Um, One was in all black and one was in jeans. The girl said that she wanted to kill Jody and was asking who is that about Jody and the man said shut up just finish it talking about killing Travis says that Travis was wasn't moving and screaming in pain um I took off like a little bitch I ran she says that she ran into the closet and the guy stopped her with the gun to her head and he told the the girl to finish it talking about Travis this is kind of just a jumbled mess, but this is the way that she basically told it. <laughs> the guy told Jody not to move. Um, says that the guy left. She didn't have a way to a phone to call 911. She rushed the woman and Travis was bleeding everywhere, but still alive. He was just breathing and says that she tried to basically drag Travis. At- oh, my Lord. <laughs> Did they just run across? I can't see. Yeah, he's got the zoomies. Um, He basically tried to drag Travis. She tried to drag Travis out of the shower, basically as if she was going to drag him out to safety somehow. Um, And the woman came up with her own story. Like, right. And the woman came back and then the guy came back and, she, and the woman said that they needed to kill Jody too because she was there and she saw everything and she was going to rat them out. 
she originally said that the woman had a gun because the woman supposedly was the one who shot Travis. But now she says that the woman had a knife and they argued and the woman tried to attack Jody with the knife and Jody tried to grab the knife and held her hands up like this. And you know, they eventually let her go. That's it. <laughs> they, uh, he got like the man went and got her purse found her car registration in it and looked at her address and said now i know your address don't dear lord don't ever say anything don't call the police don't talk to anybody you leave and you don't say anything or i'm gonna come kill your family just by what looking at her car registration that what she kept in her yeah, that, that was, was so all over the place. I'm pissed just listening to it. <laughs> right. I cannot imagine what this investigator must have been. None of it makes sense. None of it makes sense. It's ridiculous. It's like, and I was there. I wasn't there. I was there and I wasn't doing that. And it's like, can you come up with one story so we can get through this? Like, I, Jesus, I can't imagine how much research you had to do. Too just much. sitting there <laughs> listening. <laughs> Unbelievable. So Flores, he tells her, like, listen, none of this makes any sense. I hope that you can convince a jury because there's literally no evidence of anybody else being there or that could have possibly done this except for you. It's literally just you. Um, Before trial, with how crazy Jody looked because of all of this shenanigans, the court ordered her to do a a competency test. Which she was found competent. Was she? Yep. She wasn't found like clinically insane or anything. So we're going to get into the trial. (coughs) Juan Martinez is a prosecution attorney. Come to find out. He is now disbarred, which it was, he was willingly disbarred. He kind of like just kind of gave it up. Explain what that is. Like <laughs> you lose your license to practice law <clears throat> is disbarment. So you have to pass the bar exam yeah. to become an attorney, a lawyer, mm-hmm. and then disbarment is basically yoink getting that taken away, which he so willingly you, gave it up. He willingly gave it up, and it was because he apparently leaked the identity of one of the Jody Arias trial jurors, but also there were some serious sexual assault and sexual harassment allegations against him. Apparently, listen, this was briefly what I saw on Twitter. I do not go to Twitter for my research, but I did briefly See on Twitter, do not take this as fact. I don't know. He willingly was disbarred over sexual abuse allegations. That isn't a fact. But I saw on Twitter that apparently there was like some crime blogger lady that he like fucked on his office desk. Whoa. I don't know. So unrelated to Jody, just this yeah. guy seems like he can't be trusted because he's been doing suspicious things. With he anybody. is the prosecution attorney. And before this, even Detective Flores says in my opinion he's the number one prosecution attorney in arizona i personally think that evidence wise 
Juan Martinez did Juan Martinez did really good, but his behavior in court was severely looked down upon. He's very much so like a bulldog attorney where he mm. will visibly show himself getting angry and he's kind of argumentative, even with people on the stand. And also Jody testified and she was on the stand for 18 days. So there was a lot of him getting angry and kind of argumentative, which people used to try and get her conviction over overturned. It didn't work, but anyways. Hmm. So his opening statement is super straightforward. It is over an hour long. His opening statement, I think it's actually closer to two hours. They took a break in the middle of his opening. Um, He gives details of Travis's injuries, which were 27 stab wounds. 27 stab wounds his throat was slit from ear to ear he was almost decapitated and he had a gunshot wound to that he also had defensive wounds on his hands um he gave a super accurate background of jody and travis's relationship and it was a really good overview of everything leading up to the murder that was basically a lot of what his opening statement was he said that the st- that the scene was staged because blood splatter was obvious it made it obvious that travis had stood over the sink um which if you look at the crime scene pictures, they're very, there's very obvious blood splatter, like little teeny tiny blood particles splatter, that type, that was over the sink. There was blood on the hallway floor indicative of being dragged. The hallway floor was actually soaked in blood. Really? Um, and there was almost no blood on Travis's body. Uh, no knife, no gun ever found. Water was poured on the floor in the hallway and in other places where there was blood in attempt to remove blood off of the floor. There were boxes around like places where there were blood and where the water was poured that were wet to prove that the floor had been like had water put on it to try and get it covered up. And this all shows that this was originally attempted to be covered up, but it was so messy. There was no way that you could cover it up, but they still tried and it was staged. This is what Juan Martinez is saying. There was a towel that were used to, that was used to wipe things down the sheets um, Travis's clothes and a camera were in the washing machine. There were a couple of Travis's clothes, a pair of shorts, two t-shirts and a bunch of socks. I don't know if he wore those clothes that day. Just saying. Um, and this crime was extremely violent. There were three ways that he could, di- could have died. The, um, stab wound to the chest, the, his neck, neck being slit open and the gunshot wound to the head. Um, so the stab to the heart wouldn't have would not have immediately killed him. It would have been like a slow bleed out. The slit to the throat and the gunshot wound to the head would have been almost immediately whoa, almost immediately would have made him unconscious and died within a couple of minutes. He had defensive wounds on his hands. Um which means that he was conscious at the time of injuries. Mm. And so this is also indicative of the stab wounds being the first wounds. Okay. 
So he was being stabbed first. This is what the prosecution is saying. He had to have been being stabbed first to get defensive wounds on his hands because defensive wounds are when you're like this or like this yeah. and you get defensive wounds here on the backs mm-hmm. of your hands or here. Yeah. So you have to be conscious. You have to be alive right. to have defense wounds. Right. You're not going to have defense wounds if somebody slits your throat or shoots you in the head because you're going to be incapacitated. And I just want to say it is insane that if Jody did this, it's incredible that she killed a man of his size. It's outrageous. And people still don't really understand where she got the strength to be able to do that because he was almost 200 pounds. Like I know adrenaline does kick in. I get it. But it's like she killed him in three different ways. Very malicious ways. Like within minutes, within minutes, she killed him. To me crazy this is just my opinion but i just feel like she had to have had someone else there with her at least i have i just don't know i have no idea or like she really just caught him off guard and he and he was also wet he was in the shower it was probably very slippery she had shoes on yeah yeah that could that that could be it right there. That could be life and death for somebody. You've got shoes on, they don't. It's a very they're wet and slippery on tile floor. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Good point. So, he had stab wounds all over. He had a group of stab wounds on his back. He had some on his head, on his wow. torso area and in the heart area. So, whoever killed him went for bone bone bone. Like right I on mean, the skull. Ridiculous That's overkill. That's Insane. Juan says that stab wounds first and then the throat slit because he was still alive, which we'll get into that with the medical examiner. And then she dragged him towards the sink and he was probably dead at this time. Then the gunshot wound, which... Uh, was most likely after he was dead, which it just goes to show overkill. So you can look at his, you can look at pictures of him dead and be like, oh my god, somebody just brutalized him. It was total I mean, overkill. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. He also goes through Jody's web of lies in the opening statement, and he ends the opening statement with an inside edition interview that Jody did before the trial, stating that she did not stab Travis, that she couldn't ever imagine slitting someone's throat, and that she never held a gun. And she ends the interview saying, no jury will ever convict me. You can mark my words. No jury will ever find me guilty. Why is that necessary? And the interviewer says, well, why? And she goes, because I'm innocent. Right. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And so the defense's opening statement, this attorney, his name, the main attorney is Lawrence Kirk Nermy. People call him Ner- Kirk. Kirk Nermy. And so she had two attorneys, a man and a woman, Kirk Nermy yeah. and Jennifer Wilmot. Now, Kirk Nermy, he's now disbarred as well. And it was something because of the tell-all book that he wrote about Jody Arias. Oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. That was a dumb move, buddy. So 
Jennifer Wilmot is the one who starts the opening statements. And she says that Jody Arias killed Travis. There's no question about it. The million dollar question is what forced her to do it. And I say forced because Jody was forced. She explains, um, that two, there being only two minutes between a picture of Travis alive and then one of his dead body shows that um, Jody had to make a choice that if she would live or die and that it was, you know, indicative of self-defense. That he so would live or die. Know that said she, she would live or die. Know that she would oh. live or die. She was convinced that she was in danger of her life. So she, right. I'm so forgetting the story, her stories. That's <laughs> the story first started up. out. I'm not there. I had nothing to do with it. Then it's two masked assailants came in and murdered him, and now we're and at the trial, and dead. she's. But I wasn't there. So yeah, I, like, I can't. I can't keep up with her. And now she's claiming self defense uh-huh so lordy jennifer story. wilmot says that jody's excessive lying was all due to fear she was just scared because she was a victim of domestic violence it says that jody is four different stories though i mean God, yeah no I know, jury right? could convict you maybe if you had one fucking story yeah right yeah nope <laughs> i don't believe you so She's like, Jody is smart. She's a talented artist. Um, also, not to mention, some of her paintings were on sale online at this point in time during the trial. She was like selling her really? paintings online from prison, which is weird. Mm -hmm. And that, so she's like this talented artist and photographer. She loved Travis. Um, and Jennifer is painting. Um, Oh, that Travis was super persistent about pushing Jody into Mormonism and was sending missionaries to Jody's house weekly and paints it that there was a secret toxicity, manipulation, control, abuse behind closed doors, and it was all caused by Travis. Mm. And she says that Travis told Jody that oral and anal sex wasn't real sex, and then that was a way to control and manipulate her into a sexual relationship. And she says that Jody was Travis's little dirty little secret. Mm. And that he was super degrading of her. He she paints Travis as a domestic abuser. That's a quote. She said that he's a domestic abuser. Um, and she also says that not all domestic violence is physical, which is true. Yeah, and this could be true. Mm -hmm. yeah. And says that between April and June, when they haven't seen each other, that they were still having a sexual relationship via phone sex. So they were having phone sex even when they weren't seeing each other. And she briefly talks about an explicit phone call recording that will be presented at, as evidence later. And she says, quote, when Jody pretends to climax during this phone call, Travis tells her that she sounds like a 12 year old girl that is having her very first orgasm. It's well, so hot. Fucked up. Which, <laughs> which I've heard the recording. He says that. It's a straight up quote. Really? It's a freaking quote. So this they may not be far off from the truth. We don't know. 
Very interesting. I mean, I think that he had some serious kinks. They did paint him as some sort of sexual deviant and pervert, but it was only with Jody. It was never with anybody else because they had several women come testify that had dated him and nothing like that with anybody else except for Jody. Hmm. So she says that Travis wasn't who he portrayed himself to be that um, that day that Jody believed that Travis was going to kill her and she had to defend herself says that Travis was into BDSM and always wanted to tie Jody up and had before, but it hurt her. So he got softer rope and then used it that day that he was murdered. He tied her up to have sex, took pictures of her and that his temper flared when the pictures that Jody had brought for them to look at on his computer and his computer virus wouldn't allow them to look at the pictures. His temper flared and Jody tried to calm him down. He grabbed her, bent her over her, his desk and violently had vaginal sex with her, which is like borderline rape. Yes. Definitely. I don't think that can from the just the statement. I don't think that consent was ever asked for or revoked. So that's like that's too gray area for me. It's in the gray area. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is all kind of starting to make me right doubt. Yeah. So after they have and that was in the office, which was downstairs, which is where his computer was at. After that, he goes to take a shower and asks Jody to take pictures of him in the shower. Jody accidentally drops this also. This is the defense. This is what the defense is saying Jody's story is. Jody drops the camera, and that's that explains the picture of the shower ceiling. That was while the camera was following the one with her hair at the very top. Mm-hmm. And that made Travis absolutely snap and he knocked her down, like lunged at her and knocked her down in rage. And that the one minute between the camera falling and the next of Travis injured shows that there was no premeditation So for the first degree murder charge. There was no premeditation and shows that the murder was self-defense. And that's the hmm. end of her, of their opening statement. So then they bring Mimi. Her name is actually Marie Hall, but her nickname is Mimi. This is the woman that was supposed to be going to Cancun with Travis. She is the the first witness, and she briefly dated Travis. She said that he was totally normal, super nice. He never even tried to kiss her. They never even held hands. They just, you know, I think they hugged a couple of times. She started dating someone else, and Travis was super understanding about that. He was never degrading. After that, she stopped dating the other guy. She actually went back and went on a couple more dates with Travis, which is when he eventually invited her to Cancun, he never degraded her, never cursed, never made sexual advances towards her. She said that she felt super duper safe with him and says that he was super understanding and polite when she said that she wasn't romantically interested and he was still interested in being friends with her and still even wanted to take her to Cancun with him after she said that she wasn't interested in him in that way. 
Um, with the trip approaching and she hadn't heard from him, she called and texted the day before the trip with no response, went to his house. She was worried and said that she knew slash heard from him that he had a stalker and says that Travis's dog seemed upset when she knocked on the door. It was barking and jumping. Travis's friend gave the garage door code, which is how they got in. Mimi and the two other friends went in. She goes over um, them going through the house and said that the house smelled really bad. Thought that the dog might have had an accident. And said that the odor was through the entire house. It wasn't just mm-hmm. like, oh, in the one room. It was through the entire house. One of the friends it heard music. Just makes the roommate thing. Just, I know. It's just, cra- mean, it doesn't make any sense. And they were male roommates, right? You know, and they were roommates. And they were roommates. <laughs> you know, like, what if the roommate had him in on this? I uh, just, I don't know. Not adding up. <clears throat> Who knows? Yeah. Um, frightening. Oh, yeah. I agree. It's Queenie. scary. So when they opened the door, they saw blood everywhere. She said that she didn't look. The guys walked in and they said that he was dead. She ran outside to call the cops and says, um, Jody was at Travis's memorial service, which was the Monday after he they found him. So he was found on a Wednesday. Oh. I don't know. He was, he, she was, it was the Monday after he, he was found only a couple of days, maybe four days. Um, Jody was there at Travis's memorial service days after his death. And Jody introduced herself to Mimi at the memorial. And so the defense starts to, starts to cross examine Mimi and, um, she says that on a camping trip is when Travis tells her about his stalker. And Travis says that the stalker actually followed them on their first date. Really? Uh-huh. But he never, supposedly never told her the stalker's name. So she actually didn't know who the stalker was until way later. Until the day that they found Travis's body, actually. Can you I think. imagine being Mimi? Like this Mm-mm. is all un- this has been unbeknownst to her until oh yeah it's terrible all this comes out in court I mean just bizarre and Mimi supposedly told him you need to get a restraining order on this stalker and he was just like um he told Mimi that the stalker knew who she was she was like he said the stalker knows who you're who you are knows your name all of that stuff just fyi (laughs) and but also told her not to be scared and he says that the first time that she she says that the first time that she recalls the name jody was the day that they found travis's body that's the first time that she ever heard Jody's name. Travis said that the stalker slashed his tires several times and somebody that he dated slashed their tires were slashed and the stalker sent threatening emails to both him and the girl he was dating at the time, broke into his house through the doggy door and slept on his couch. 
Now, Sterling Williams was one of the reporting officers to the crime scene when they found Travis's body. And he says that the fire department visually inspected Travis's body and did not attempt to resuscitate because that's how decomposed he was. They they were like, we're not even going to we're not going to touch him. So Sterling said that he appeared to be deceased in that position for a very long time. And the prosecution asked if there was anything, if he saw anything unusual. And this was very weird. I've never heard anything like this. So it was interesting to hear, but it was very strange. He said that there was a large neck wound ear to ear. He said that the face was dark purple and almost black. And the rest of the body was white. Travis's body was crammed in the shower stall and the neck wound dried. Um, It had dried blood on the corners of the, of the neck wound. Mm. Um. Wait, hold on. Oh, the neck wound, it was dry, but on the corners, it was moist on the inside of like on the inside of the actual wound. And every few seconds, it would bubble because the body was releasing gases. But because he had this big wound in his neck, it was just another hole where these decomposition gases could be released from. So he's got this big gaping wound in his neck and it's actually bubbling. Wow. I've never heard anything like that. And I didn't know that about this, but that's crazy. Yeah. And so the cop confirms that the pictures are what he saw at the crime scene. And then the photos are shown to the court and the jury um jody can't look at them she won't look up she's just like this and she's pretending to cry um there's three pictures shown at this point it's travis crammed in the shower a closer up photo of him crammed in the shower and a close-up shot of the neck wound and the cop says while the neck was bubbling it splattered um yeah so like the neck wound when it was bubbling it would splatter like body body fluids he said it wasn't necessarily blood it was like red tinged because it's an open wound but it wasn't blood coming out of it it was like the lick the liquids from his body it wasn't blood though very strange um let's see that's he said that he yeah is he said that he only saw blood on travis's chest um he saw blood on the sink and the countertop lots of blood on the carpet between the bedroom and the bathroom lots of smears no blood in the closet so detective flores which is the guy who the cat just knocked something over <laughs> not a ghost he just knocked over a box of crayons just bob right? it literally is bob <laughs> So Detective Flores, the guy who was doing the interrogations of Jody, he gets on the stand. He says, June 9th, well, at the scene, um, Detective Flores, he gets a notification that Jody called and wanted to talk to him. So this is the day that Travis's body is found. Jody is already calling the detective. June 10th, the day after, in the morning, another officer tells Detective Flores that Jody called again wanting to talk to him. And he recorded himself calling her back and he 
and part of it, he also didn't read her Miranda rights because she wasn't under <gasps> arrest. She wasn't under arrest, so he didn't Mirandaize the conversation, but he did record it. Mm. Mm-hmm. He's a smart guy. Mm. And Jody asks, were there any weapons? Was there a gun? Flora says, do you know of him having any weapons? And Jody was like, his two fists. And she offers any assistance. I I wrote, she literally just talks his absolute fucking ear off. That's what I wrote. <laughs> And Jody says, I should probably tell you that when Travis would get upset, he'd send me some really nasty messages and emails. So you'll probably find those. Hmm. Kirk, the defense attorney, asks Flores where he got information that Jody was a stalker. And he says that his officers that he'd assigned to talk to witnesses and friends and stuff there, they got that information from Travis's friends. An email is brought into evidence that shows Travis calling Jody, quote, a three-hole wonder. And it was used in a context that wasn't very nice. That's disgusting. Travis told Jody, quote, I was little more than a dildo with a heartbeat to you. So he's pissed. And he's saying some pretty nasty things to her. He's like, "I, I was basically a dildo with a heartbeat. Wow. And you used me. So, hmm. which, hmm. you know, hmm. they've painted it as the other way around. And who fucking knows? But my brain is just spinning right now. Like, I don't know who to believe. I don't know. Crazy. I do think that Travis, I think that Travis definitely used Jody sexually way yeah. more than Jody. Fully did fucking him. agree. Fully and fucking he, agree. That's terrible. That's fucked. He was stringing her along and he was seriously playing with her feelings. And yep. this is the kind of shit that can happen when you fuck with people's feelings. For your own pleasure. Real life shit. Mm-hmm. So counsel had to approach the bench several times during the conversations about this email because it was so explicit and the things that were said were like, whoa. And they were asking Detective Flores about it. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Um they were asking detective flores about it and of course both sides want to kind of like get his opinion but he is testifying in court so it's like you can't be speculative and give your opinion on why he's saying these things in this email so the judge continually like several times is calling the um he's calling she's calling the both attorneys up to the bench and talking to them and being like stop doing that stop stop asking that question or whatever Which anytime they went up to the bench, which happened so many times during this trial, you can't hear anything. They like mute the mics so you you can't hear whatever it is that Hmm. they're saying. Also, literally every single day, every hour and every second of this trial is on YouTube. You can watch the entire thing. I wish I could have done it for you guys, but I just 55 days of a trial is a lot. (laughs) So, um, there were so many objections from the defense during this email conversation. And one, the prosecution attorney, he just seems like pissed at this point. This is one of the situations where he's getting kind of rowdy. Um, Flores, he asks, um, Juan asks detect- Detective Flores to read the email in full and then be be like, can you give me the context in which he said these specific things? So he reads the whole email. 
And Flora says the context is that Travis was complaining through the conversation about her lying to him, talking about Jody. And that's why he said those things. So during showing crime scene photos of Travis, Jody won't look. She won't look at the pictures. She, she is regularly wiping her nose, covering Which her is face. Which fascinating because she wanted to see them so bad. Right. And she was being interrogated. Mm-hmm. And, Weird. you know, is cr- crying. Um, so speak, yeah. And Travis's family is there, obviously. His, his um, sisters and brother, I believe. But his sister specifically always sat in the front row they'd sit right next to each other and both mm-hmm. of them look just like him it's very strange they were in shambles <laughs> they were in hysterics they had to leave several times um i can't imagine me so either all of this and, is awful but at the same time you know they're hysterical and jody looks like she's forcing herself to cry um, really yeah and also on the bullet casing that was found in the bathroom that bullet casing casing written on it was win 25 auto which would be indicative of a bullet that came from the gun that was stolen from jody's grandparents grandparents house house. yep Mm -hmm. so here's the medical examiner's testimony dr kevin horn is the medical examiner and just also i'm going to give a definition an incised wound is a wound that's longer than it is deep so it's not necessarily a stab wound if that makes sense so it's a a wound that's longer than it is deep yeah yeah just fyi so um the left side of his head which would be like our left. So it's actually his right side of his head had a gunshot wound. He had a thumb injury on his right hand, which was actually just like on the tip of his finger. And it was, it cut the tip of his thumb. Um, We can tell that due to hemorrhage that that happened while he was alive and it was caused by a sharp object so this little wound on his on his thumb that like cut off the tip of his um fingernail it's pretty superficial but we can tell that it happened when he was still alive um and we start getting into defensive wounds um they're on the hands fronts and backs of hands the backs of the forearms those are defensive wounds so the one on his thumb would have been a defensive wound. The back of his left hand all the way to his thumb. So it actually, it wrapped around like this. He had a big gash right here. Okay. Another defensive wound that happened while he was still alive. Um, This specific wound was actually pretty deep. It was a quarter of an inch into muscle. It was a um he also had a one and three quarter inch and an additional three quarter inch cut on his palm so he had two cuts on his palm one was almost two inches and one was almost an inch okay so the this is defensive wounds he was trying to protect himself he's got his hands in front of his face or whatever he's trying to grab the knife potentially 
he is trying to protect himself. And this is super important because you have to be conscious and alert to right. be able to put your hands up and to be able to get defensive right. wounds in the right. first place. So then on his shoulder, he's got about a one inch incised wound. So it's not a stab. It's longer than it is um, deep. Okay. Um, he has one specific chest wound that was stopped that stopped at the breastbone. Um, it was a stab wound, but it wasn't necessarily fatal because it stopped at the breastbone. It did not go any further than that. It did not puncture through any cartilage or anything past the breastbone. Once it hit the so bone, another it one while he's alive. Okay. <clears throat> Two and a half inches, another chest wound, not entering the chest cavity. So all of these all of these stab wounds are would not be fatal. They they would hurt, they would cause you yeah. to bleed, and it's a lot of them. Um, but they wouldn't kill you. Right. And so now this one. A stab wound to the chest area that penetrates the major vessel, a major vessel in the heart. And it pierces the pericardium, which is the sac that the heart is contained in. So this would have been a fatal wound. It right. would um it would be a slow death because it would be you bleeding out. Um but it would definitely kill you. Your heart has been, or an important um, vessel, not an artery. So it wouldn't be right. as fast as bleeding out from a cut artery, but it's a major vessel that pumps blood to right. the heart. So you're definitely going to bleed out, but you got time. You still right. might be able to get away. You still might be able to get up and walk and run around, scream, yell, defend yourself, put your hands right. up. You would be able to do that even with this specific wound mm -hmm. and someone oh hi Denny Bunny. <laughs> someone bed. in action like someone who's in a really intense situation their heart's going to be pumping faster right this will cause yeah. somebody to bleed out faster oh you're so right good pumping. point yeah very true so this specific stab wound to the chest area eventually would cause him to go unconscious within a few minutes before dying. He could have still put his hands up for a while in defense. He could have gotten up. He could have, you know, moved relatively quickly Something. to try and get away. And because of the placement of the stab wounds and slices all over his body, it points to movement of Travis. So it points to because he's got stab wounds on his back. He's got stab wounds on the back of his head, on the front of his head, on the chest, on the torso. He's got them all over his body. So this points to him getting up and moving around, trying to get away from whoever it is that's doing this to him. I mean, you're not willingly going to flip over to be some, for no. somebody to be like, okay, yeah. get the side, you know? But that's interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So stab at the lower torso, and we're going to talk about a wound tract. A wound tract is um, basically how far a wound goes underneath the skin. So a stab, like if you stab somebody, how far that, that, hole is from that knife okay. this stab wound in his lower torso the wound tract in it was almost six inches long 
Damn. Mm-hmm. And he was alive during this stab wound because of bleeding and bruising and hemorrhaging that we can see in this stab wound. Somebody who doesn't have any blood left in their body is not going to have bleeding and contusions and hemorrhaging the way that somebody who's not dead would, you know, like somebody who's dead would. It's very different. So he had contusions all over his legs. He had left heel laceration. These happened before he died, but he also had contusions on his legs that happened from after he died. So we've got both. You can see them both on his body and how they differ. And the medical examiner obviously can see that as well. He had a grouping of injuries, which a grouping of inner of injuries is just means like, oh, these occurred it basically in the same time frame and they came from they have the same orientation so they all came from the same direction like if you're stabbing somebody like this five times that would be a grouping of injuries on that person because yeah. you you're not going like this and then turning around and going like this so then right. they have a different orientation Right. So there was a grouping of injuries on the back of the shoulder all the way down the back, indicative of of Travis having his back turned. He had nine stab wounds in this group. All of them were about one inch deep into the back of the ribs and the spine. None of them entered the chest cavity and they all stopped at the bone. So none of these would have been fatal either. Um, and he had two wounds on the back of his head. They were deep and long. They were all the way to the skull. Wow. Um, they were both two inches long and both of them caused a divot in the skull bone, which means, or like a chip in the skull bone, which means it took some serious force to chip that bone. It wouldn't take a lot of force to cut somebody's scalp all the way to the skull because it's really not that thick. But to be able to chip the skull bone, it would take a lot of force. And they were able to tell that it was chipped by the knife or whatever it was that was used to stab him because it was like a triangular shaped chip that was similar to the tip of a knife. So... He had a small incised wound on his forehead. He had stab wounds on the back sides of his neck. So not only was his throat slit, but he also had stab wounds on the back of his neck. Now, the neck and throat wound was extremely deep. It passed through his airway and his windpipe. Um, it would cause the inability to scream, to talk, or I mean, immediately. He wouldn't have been able to make any noise. Um, he was absolutely alive during the infliction of this neck wound because of the hemorrhaging and the blood that we can see yeah, in the autopsy. Yeah. His carotid artery and jugular vein were both cut in his throat so this would cause him to bleed out really fast these are two seriously major arteries above the heart that uh, you'd bleed out so fast it's unreal and his throat was slit all the way back to his spine so when we say he almost had his head cut off he seriously almost had his head cut off damn 
Such overkill. I mean, I really have to keep reiterating yeah. that. It is insane how many times this, this man was tried to be stabbed or whatever, shot yeah. with a gun too. I mean, damn. This wound in his throat was about three inches deep. So if like you look three inches, like even on a man, like that's. It's like almost all the way through. It's almost all the way through. Wow. Yeah. There were no hesitation cuts, which hesitation cuts you normally see in like suicides. Um, But that's when like somebody gets nervous and they stop in the middle and it would cause like a jagged edge in the the wound flaps. If that's the word you want to use for it. There were no hesitation marks or cuts. Um, However, the, the neck wound did get a little bit deeper during decomposition due to the skin drying and pulling back. So it mm. did cause it to be like probably a couple of millimeters okay. off, a little bit deeper because, yeah, that skin dries and it starts to curl up and pull back, which makes the wound deeper. And medical examiner says that he would lose consciousness within seconds of getting his throat slit like this. Um, and then he would die within minutes and he maybe within that like couple of seconds that he is still conscious, maybe he'd be able to take a step or two before falling to the ground and being completely unconscious. Um, the gunshot wound, it was in the right forehead and it passed through the skull and through the face and ended up here in the left cheek. So it went across. Wow. Not I like in the how, actual. How would you have to stand and shoot? Would you be over? It was and... it was undetermined, but that's what I thought. I thought like, oh, like you're laying on the floor and somebody is like pointing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. I assumed. Interesting. They never really talked about it, though, because the medical examiner couldn't determine like what angle it had to come from. But. Also, when I say it was in his cheek, I don't mean like, oh, it's it's here. It's actually like behind the cheekbone in the sinuses. Ooh. So it went through his skull and down into his cheek. Um, it must have hit his brain, but they couldn't tell physically by the brain because the brain was so deep decomposed it was damn near liquefied like there's um, a classification for like decomposed brains <laughs> and there's really? like the lowest one is like very soft and liquefied and they're in the same classification that's where his brain classification was at wow. it was almost liquid wow Wow. This yeah. So really, he didn't just die. He like died, 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 <laughs> died, 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 died. Crazy. Yeah. Damn. And the autopsy was done on the 12th, which was three days after he was found, which was also so was, five days after he was found. So it was, so like, it was seven, like eight, eight days. days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess eight days before your brain turns to soup, guys. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um. And again, they're like going over the fact that with the throat injury and the head injury, he would have been incapacitated. He wouldn't have been able to get those defense wounds on his hands because he wouldn't have been able to lift his hands up. And so the stabbing had to have been 
first. Um, the medical examiner believes that he was alive during the neck wound because of the hemorrhaging. There was no hemorrhaging in the brain. Uh, there was severe brain de- brain decomposition, so it was really hard to tell. And he basically said that he couldn't tell. But um, there was no hemorrhaging in the forehead where the gunshot went in. There was a little bit of blood, but there was no hemorrhaging anywhere that the bullet was, which is like, so he had no blood left in his body. If he's not like getting like contusions or blood rising to the surface when he's gotten shot in the head, he had to have been dead by the time that he received this gunshot wound. Yeah. And Jennifer, one of the dense attorneys gets to cross examine the medical examiner. And this was the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen happen in a courtroom. She is downright unprofessional and she's straight up fighting and arguing with the medical examiner over and over again about how, well, you don't have medical evidence and proof that shows that the bullet went through the brain. He's like, yes, I do. Because it went through his skull. What's behind your skull, your brain. There's a whole ass hole in his, in his skull, in his forehead. There's nowhere else the bullet could have gone. Yeah. Well, you said that it went to his cheek. Yeah. After it went through his skull, like <sighs> she, is, she literally argued with him for a good 10 minutes. And it was one of the most unprofessional scenes I've ever seen happen in a courtroom. Hmm. And then, so right after that, um, she goes on to say, isn't it true that at one point you told Detective Flores that you believe that the first injury that happened was the gunshot to the head? And he's like, no, I don't recall ever saying that. And you don't. And do you remember telling Detective Flores that you um, you knew this? Because the gunshot wound wouldn't have incapacitated somebody. It wouldn't have the gunshot wound to his head. And he's like, he looks super confused and he looks kind of like offended. And he's like, no, I don't recall ever saying that. I don't recall ever having a conversation with Detective Flores about this case ever. Hmm. And she's like, do you remember telling Flores that, uh, um, that th- about this case at all that um travis could have been unconscious and then regained consciousness that you believe that he regained consciousness and he at this point he looks like downright offended and he's like no i don't recall saying that she goes on and you knew that he became conscious because of defense wounds And the medical examiner says, well, I know that he'd have to be conscious to have defense wounds, but I don't recall telling Detective Flores that. Mm. If the gunshot wound came first, then defense wounds, he'd have to be conscious for that. And the medical examiner's like, I don't think that makes any sense. I don't think that he got the gunshot wound first and then got defensive wounds. I think that he would have been unconscious um when he got the gunshot wound the gunshot wound right and Definitely she says last for sure right and so jennifer's like so that's not something that you told detective flores and he's like again i don't recall ever having a conversation about this case with detective flores <laughs> i don't know 
where the hell this idea about this conversation with the medical examiner and Detective Flores ever came from. I have no fucking clue. But I really think that that conversation that somebody heard of, maybe there was something that was put out in the news accidentally. I don't know. That's what Jody based her story off of. The gunshot wound being first and somebody supposedly saying that the gunshot wound was first and she ran with it. Mm. That's what I believe. Interesting. Oh, I'm sorry. We're running late. It's just kind of a long what? one, but we're, we're getting really close. This is a very long case. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh my God, just awful. And Juan, he gets to re-examine so it's examination cross-examination re-examination so it's like bouncing back and forth he gets to re-examine the medical examiner and he asks uh, about the interview that the medical examiner had with the defense team and he basically is like who when was the first time that you were ever asked about the wound sequencing which just means which wound happened first. When's the first time that you were ever asked about the wound sequencing? And the medical examiner says, it was in that meeting that I had with the defense team that they asked me what I thought about which wound came first. Hmm. Hmm. So Jody gets on the stand. Jody was on the stand for 18 days. Damn. I could not spend the hours no. <laughs> that went into this. If you want to see her to. testimony, it is all on YouTube. Look and it's, it up, people. it's a train wreck. It is a train wreck. And it's all there. It's so easy. It's so free. It's right there. Yep. And she is super, is like generally argumentative with Juan Martinez. Like she just really didn't like him and you can tell that she didn't want to talk to him and she was kind of offended most of the time when they were talking Mm -hmm. she testified for 18 days she says that travis was physically and emotionally abusive that he turned violent the day that he died and that she was forced to fight for her life and the defense paints travis as a sexual deviant pervert whatever And says that she previous lied because she planned to commit suicide. So the reason why she lied all of those times before was because she planned to kill herself. I don't know what to believe. Her stories are just so crazy and all over the place. I just can't. The trial didn't start until 2013. And she was arrested in 2008. So (sighs) she had plenty of time to off herself if she wanted to. Yeah, you know what? Good fucking point. She had a lot of time to think about it. She had plenty of time to write letters to Travis's family, which she said that she was going to do an interrogation, which she never did. She had plenty of time to do that. Didn't do it. Anyways, an hour-long sex phone call is played for the court. This was the one that was originally talked about in the defense opening statement, and I've got some quotes. So trigger warning, this is pretty gross. Travis says, I'm going to tie you to a tree and put it in your ass all the way. And Jody says, oh, my gosh, that is so debasing. I like it. And Travis (laughs) says, I'm going to tie your arms around a tree and blindfold you and put the camera on a timer while I'm fucking you. And Jody says, oh, my gosh, you're full of ideas. 
Travis says, well, it takes creativity to top ourselves. And she says, I know it does. We've gotten way creative in the past. I have to give you the credit, though. I'm game for almost everything that you come up with. Hmm. Consent. She she was in on it. I'm game for almost everything that you come up with. That is consent. Mm -hmm. Sexual deviant. Well, then you both are. Yeah. And Travis said, the way that you moan, baby, it sounds like you're this 12-year-old girl having her first orgasm. It's so hot. Gross. And we hate a pedophile. Yeah. Um, and they did try to paint him as a as a pedophile in the in mm. the trial. I could see why. <laughs> I don't know if they really had any other evidence. I think Jody tried to say something about little boys. I can't remember. But um, him as this bad guy, which for all we know, he probably oh he he very well could have been. I I don't put it past. I don't think that he was great. I don't think he was some great amazing Mormon guy. No way, he's a phony. He was playing it up for the church and was hiding Jody behind everyone's back. And he was a user. That was a fact. Yes, and which to be honest, that is like a type of of abuse. You're using somebody. You're sexually using somebody. That is a type of an abuse. It's awful. And he was like paying her money and like loaning her money and was selling her a car. I think he Mm -hmm. was. It was a power play. Right. Which is not right. Right. Um. Jody laughed and said, you're so bad. You make me feel so dirty. Um, you made me feel amazing. You make me feel like a goddess. And so Jody says that Travis slammed. This is the story that she gave about self-defense. This is out of her mouth. Jody says that Travis slammed her to the floor after she dropped his camera. She shot him accidentally with his gun. And the next that she remembers, she was driving barefoot in the desert with the sun in her eyes before she stopped threw the gun into some weeds and washed the blood off her hands with a water bottle from the rental car trunk. And she says that the camera dropped. He slammed her to the ground. She got up, ran to the closet. He chased her. She grabbed the gun from the very top shelf in the closet, which she would have had to stand on a chase lounge to get to. Pointed the gun at him to stop chasing her. He continued and lunged at her. She accidentally shot. They both fell down. Travis was still wrestling with her. She got loose and he said, I'll fucking kill you, bitch. Mm-hmm. Let's see. And then all of this time that she's saying this, she's comparing it to other times about how he physically abused her. Apparently there was one time that she pissed him off so bad that he choked her to the point that she was unconscious. Wow. And she thought that he was going to kill her that time. So which that was another reason why this time she thought that he was going to kill her. Okay. So maybe, you know, maybe the gun kind of makes sense. I I I mean, I get it. But also, as far as we know, Travis didn't have a gun. And she's saying, oh, he had a gun in the top shelf of his closet. Blah, blah, blah. There's no fucking telling. Like, the story is so. Well, what about your grandparents gun? I don't know, man. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, it could be, but it also could be. Right. (laughs) Devil's advocate. And she was, she said that she basically didn't remember anything, which Jody was 
um, in court. She was diagnosed with PTSD. And one of the professionals said that she had symptoms or uh, symptoms of borderline personality disorder. Mm. And they said that she could potentially have some type of amnesia that women normally have when they're in domestic violence situations. Mm. Um, after her testimony um, done by like the attorneys and stuff, the jury hit Jody with 150 questions. This judge allowed the jury to write questions that they wanted to ask Jody. And this was 150 questions. This was after the judge and them had like gone through and taken out all the ones that they were like, oh no, we can't read that. 150 mm-hmm. questions they asked her. Wow. Um, Richard Samuels, defense expert, he diagnosed Jody with PTSD. The jurors were questioned about if they saw Juan signing autographs posing for pictures outside of court. So these are just a couple of things that happened towards the end of court. Um, Juror number five was dismissed. Um, The judge denied a mistrial at that time. That juror was dismissed supposedly because they made biased comments in front of other jurors, which then the defense is like, okay, we'll mistrial. And the judge is like, "Uh -uh." Mm uh-uh. So a second juror is dismissed because they were sick and then a third juror is dismissed because in april so the the ending of this trial is going on in may in april they got a dui and they got arrested so they got dismissed because of that so three jurors were dismissed um and during closing arguments prosecution describes jody as a manipulative um liar who meticulously planned this murder mm-hmm. is definitely like a movie for sure yeah oh thanks joey <laughs> it's almost over guys i promise i'm enjoying this what do you guys <laughs> think happened i'm curious to hear what you guys are thinking yeah leave it down in the you. comments what your yeah. what your theory is what are you guys thinking because i'd love to talk about this and the defense and their closing statements, they they implore the jurors to, you know, take an impartial view of this situation, even if they don't like Jody. That's one of the mm-hmm. things that they said. Like, even if you don't like her, you have to just look at it impartially. So the jury deli- deliberates for five days. Jody is found guilty of first degree murder. 20 minutes after that verdict, she does an interview. Because, you know, Jody, she loves to be on camera. So 20 minutes after you're found guilty, you know that you're potentially facing the death penalty. I'm going to get on camera. It was literally so soon after the verdict that this interview was taken in the basement of the courthouse. Wow. Unreal. Yeah. And she said in that interview that she was overwhelmed, that the verdict was unexpected for her, that... um. She was really surprised that she was found guilty specifically because of the premeditation of first degree murder. She was like, you know, I could have understood felony murder, but premeditation, you know, I that really surprised me. Mm-hmm. And she said that she understood why the jurors didn't believe her because she lied so much. But she said that she lied because she was scared and she was mortified of her and Travis's relationship, specifically sexually. She didn't want all of that stuff coming to light. And 
She stated that she avoided eye contact with Travis's family because his sisters look like Travis and she didn't want to look into the eyes of her abuser. And she also said during this interview that she would rather have the death penalty than spend the rest of her life in prison because she just loves being all over the place. And she said, staying in one place for the rest of my life, it sounds like it would drive me nuts. Mm. Uh, which she kind of turned around because during her sentencing hearing, she actually had like a sentencing trial where, you know, again, all of the evidence is presented just kind of like in a more condensed way. And she was able to talk to the jury and give a statement. And this also would have been the chance that she would have been able to show remorse specifically to Travis's family. Um, she gave a statement to the jurors at the end of sentencing of the sentencing trial. So this is right before they're going to find her. To, they're going to see if they're going to give her the death penalty or life in prison. Um, she talks about how she's donated her hair three times since bring, being in prison um, to locks of love. And that if they just let her spend the rest of her life in prison, that she'll continue to donate her hair to locks of love. She said that she has gotten several requests to teach Spanish and American sign language to other inmates and that she wanted to, you know, because her trial was pending, she didn't have enough time to do that. And so now if they just let her have life in prison, she'll be able to teach Spanish and ASL to um, other inmates. She was talking about how she wanted to implement a recycling program in the prison to help reduce waste and save the planet. And she said that she wanted to teach illiterate inmates how to read and start a book club. She made a t-shirt that says survivor on it and said that a hundred percent of the proceeds go to help other victims of domestic violence. So she was selling this t-shirt online and giving the proceeds to a domestic violence uh, nonprofit. And she talks about how she expects to find ways to contribute to the other women there. So these are all the reasons why she's saying, don't kill me. I want to do a recycling program. I want to teach people how to read. I want to teach people how to speak Spanish. I want to teach people how to, you know, speak okay. American sign language. I donate my hair, which what, are all like great things. But when you look at the fact that somebody was brutally murdered and this is what you're standing here fucking talking yeah. about. Yeah. It's, it's so trivial. And like, it's such a smack in the face and Travis's family was, was sitting there. And then mm. she went on and showed this long ass slideshow of her family and how her family, you know, they were holding a picture of Jody in their Christmas picture because Jody couldn't be there. And Jody's brother just had a baby that she's never met and she wants to be a part of her niece's life and she's never going to be able to do that. She's saying all of this stuff in front of Travis's family and making it about her. You're, you're right. It is very fucked up. I agree with you. Like you yeah. look at it in an overall sense and it's like teaching somebody American sign language, teaching people Spanish, like, teaching people great. how to read, recycling. It's awesome. great. It absolutely but, is. <laughs> yeah. Do it before you murder somebody. Right. Like it's just, I don't know. There's something about Jody that just irritates me. 
Yeah. I don't think someone with a high IQ can continually lie to police knowing they're going to get some version of the truth at some point. That's Danny. Yeah, totally agree. It was just a waste of time. And I don't know if she thought that she was really smart and thought that, you know, she'd eventually get away with it or she was just buying herself. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Joe says keep going. I'm actually, I'm almost done. I'm on the last page. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So the it was a hung jury when it came to the death penalty, which which a hung jury just means they can't come to an agreement. And it was eight for the death penalty, four against. She was very close. Mm. And she had a sentencing retrial, which again, they showed all of the evidence. And she actually, she like begged the judge during the sentencing retrial. She begged the judge to have um, her testimony done behind closed doors. She had a secret testimony, um, which now is out. You can also watch that on YouTube. Nothing additional about the story came out. Nothing crazy. Okay. No, but she got so much hatred from the public during her testimony that she didn't want it. And I think most of that, um trial specifically wasn't public it wasn't aired on tv i mean there could be reporters and stuff in there still but it wasn't aired on tv like the first one was so in the second sentencing retrial um the jury was hung again they could not come to a unanimous decision which you have to have a unanimous decision for the death penalty you can't even have one person that says "Uh uh-uh no so unless everybody says yes, um, no death penalty. So because she had a hung jury twice, death penalty is off the table. She got a life sentence. Now in 2020, Arizona Supreme Court declined to review her conviction. And they denied it with absolutely no explanation. They just said nope and slammed the door in her face. Really? So, um, and this was after a court of appeals. So she went through like an actual appeal after a court appeal upheld her conviction. So she went through a court of appeals and then went to the Supreme Court. And both of them said, hell no, Damn. murder. Um, there's also a new ish documentary. I don't know what it's on. You have to look it up i'm sure it's on a streaming app somewhere i think it might be on discovery Plus. isn't this like judy arias dirty little secret is that the name of it the one that i'm about to quote is called jody arias cellmate secrets oh okay so in this um documentary there's two specific women that were cellmates of jody arias these women are also now married one was in there for kidnapping and one was in there for arson they said that they befriended jody that she was like super friendly um easy to talk to whatever both women had several tattoos from Jody, which like seems really? very weird, but they like wanted her to tattoo them because she was a really good artist. Like she genuinely can draw and paint. Like she, she's pretty talented. I mean, um, so both Ted women Bundy was a nice guy too. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, mm, I don't know. I don't know when, though. But I'm not saying I'm going either way. Right. I'm in the middle. I don't know. 
so one woman has like six tattoos from Jody, one of which I think either has her initials or her signature. Yeah. And the other woman has four tattoos from Jody. Imagine being there's like fucking um that's Jody Arias stan Twitter accounts like oh free Jody Arias and I like think some of them are in our chat. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, I've been throwing you all over. I'm gonna go back and look at them. <laughs> Hi guys, I probably saw you on Twitter earlier while I was filming. <laughs> We're glad you're here. Bye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So she's got the both of these women have tattoos from Jody. And they said that Jody got away with things in prison that other people didn't because of her looks. And supposedly jo- also I don't I'm not taking what these women are saying as fact even though it's in a documentary. They're not an attorney, they're not under oath, they're not on a stand this right. is something that they said in a documentary after they got released from prison. So take it with a grain of salt. Um, they said that Jody participated in a jailhouse strip tease and took all of her clothes off. <coughs> One of these women supposedly was running Jody's social media and would like write down all of the different things that Jody would tell her to put on social media. Um, but she said that one of the things that really made her change her mind about Jody, because even after she got out of jail, this woman, um, even after she got out of jail, she still believed Jody and she was still on Jody's side. Mm. But she said that um, she really started to see how Jody was when she, um, when Jody would get off the phone with her mom, apparently she was really mean to her mom on the phone and she'd scream and yell at her and hang up or whatever. But once this woman got out of jail and was running her socials, Jody would want this woman to go on her socials and like say the most hurtful hate, hatred stuff about her parents and her family. And this woman was like, listen, I'm not doing that. And if you don't stop telling me to do that, like, I'm not going to run your socials anymore. And Jody snapped on her. And she said that she hasn't talked to her in years, but that woman does say that she got what she deserved and that she is pure evil. I'm telling you, I believe in my opinion, you know, like masks off now. We're done talking about the fact. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking think Jody did it. There's oh, me no too. goddamn way that she did not have at least something to do with it or hired someone, had the roommate do it. Nobody fucking knows. I think it was all her. I think and she was people, just fucking raging. Yeah. These people like her get in these positions because they know how to be nice. They know oh, how to yeah. manipulate you. They can get where they want to be and they can do whatever the fuck they want at the end of the day. Period. She is scarily nice. Scarily That's nice. That's what I'm saying. There's like a video of her on <sighs> YouTube of this like 16-year-old girl that she talks to on a regular basis. And like this girl just like idolizes her and she gets on the phone and talks to this fucking 16-year-old. It's just weird. That's bizarre just it's just there's too many things that are like that's weird to -hmm. make me think that she did it or something something just isn't adding up i think it was a hundred percent her 
And I do think that if Travis was abusive, if he was an awful person, you know, I hope he gets, I hope he got what he fucking deserved. But, and I, I definitely think that the possibility of him being abusive and controlling and I, I it's there. I don't know if it's the fact. (laughs) I mean, shit, maybe, maybe. And he he, like picked the wrong one. Um, I don't know if it's a fact that he was super abusive or not. I know at the very least he was using her sexually, which is fucking wrong. Which is fucking shitty. And And that can drive someone crazy. Yes. Crazy enough to do that. I mean, especially when one of them wants to get married and the other one is like, no, you're just my sex toy. Yeah. Right. I can understand the emotional manipulation there and why she, somebody would want to kill him, you know, awful, Mm -hmm. but still somebody that was a crime of passion. Absolutely. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. That, that's why the self-defense claim doesn't make any sense because you're not going to stab somebody 27 times in self-defense. Mm. You would stab them once and run. You'd shoot them and run. You'd slit their throat. Probably not. And run. Mm. A, a you would shoot them after all of that is said and done. Just mm-hmm. It, it just was just overkill. Doesn't make sense. And it just shows like that the person who did it, I think it was Jody, she wasn't able to stop herself. She was in such a rage she couldn't stop herself. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Anyway, what do That's you guys the Jody think? Arias case. That's the Jody Arias case. Thank you for joining us, guys. Um, I guess we'll go through some closing messages. But yeah, again, this was a great episode. Sam did amazingly. Thank you again. I hope you guys will let her know how much you appreciate it in the comments because she really does like slave and sweat over this. Some of these cases are just I really bizarre. did. <laughs> this it's one specifically, it, it was pretty. I mean, yeah. we've gone an hour over. I don't think that's ever happened. No. No. So this is a great episode. If you guys want to support us, you can buy our merch. That's all done in the description. It's twoghouls.com. You can go and check us out there. We have all of our designs on t-shirts and hoodies and mugs and whatever. (laughs) And it would really help us be able to put out more content like this, which happens to be a little bit more risque i guess but yeah (laughs) we do it for you guys this is why we want to do it we do it so that we have people watching that enjoy it just as much as we do so thank you for coming thank you sam thanks everybody you are amazing it was great thank you i'm glad to see that we've had so many people interacting and i know that this is a case that is that really grits people so i'm glad that we had people in here talking with us about it i really appreciate that yeah i'm gonna show our merch you guys can check this out again it's in the description and there is a 10 percent off code if you use be my ghoul at checkout you can follow us on all of these socials that you see here except for instagram we don't have an instagram yet um yeah I guess that is it. I All am right. going to click out of here and we will be on our way. Thanks for joining, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.